Hello, everyone, and welcome to our special edition of the podcast, It's You Go Saying. I'm your host, Andrew Lewis, and here we are. It is that time again. NBA season 2021-22 is about to start. Everything is back to normal. The crowds are back. The season's starting the same time as it normally does, and we've got a big bumper season coming up. So we're going to start with the Eastern Conference, and joining me for the first time in a preview podcast, Okay. A full panel assembled. Our resident NBA experts, Adam Emmy and Daniel Shea. How are you doing, guys? Well, well, well. It's preview time. Um, time for us to get it a is. bunch of things abysmally wrong. And maybe one oh, thing. I want right. to know about that. Speak for yourself. At least he's right. We're excited for the start of the NBA season, guys. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. It's a it's a very exciting season. I mean, particularly after all the disruption with the bubble and and COVID and all that sort of stuff. And I guess we've got some shadows of that coming through into this season in some in a, a few very significant ways that we'll end up talking about. I'm sure. Mm. Mm. But at least uh, I mean, at least yeah. we've got the the Let's normality. <clears throat> yeah. As, as much as, as as can be expected, a normal NBA series was going to be awesome, but the, you know, full crowds and all that. So a lot to be excited about. As I said, we're going to start with the Eastern Conference. Now, for those of you who haven't listened, this is like the third time we've done the preview pod on the NBA on this podcast. We used to do them, Adam. I used to do them on his old podcast, Tips and Heroes. Um, what we're going to do is, and I also do it this way for my NFL preview podcast, is because it's my podcast, we're going to go in the order that I think we're finishing in the Eastern Conference from worst to first. So, but I've got a little bit of a conversation starter for everything. So we're going to start with Daniel first. And the team I've got coming in at number 15 in the Eastern Conference, last of all, is the Orlando Magic. Now, their starting moment is projected to be uh, rookie Jalen Suggs, Gary Harris, who got from Denver last year in the Aaron Gordon trade. Franz Wagner, who I believe may be directly related to a former German royal family. I'm not sure. Um, Uma Okeke and Wendell Carter. They've got some pretty decent players on their injured list at the moment in Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac. But my question to you, Daniel, is this is a pretty on-the-ground-looking Orlando Magic lineup. Can they even get to 15 wins in this season? Uh, well, before I answer your question, can I ask a clarifying question? Do they all have to be this season? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, this season. Yeah, this season. For, before they stop playing games for a while. Um, they, I reckon they might get, they might get there, but they're not going to get much past it. Um, it is a very, very young team. Um, and the other thing is that they're not healthy at the moment either. Um, I'm just kind of, uh, when I was reading, uh, doing a bit of reading for this, I saw that currently uh, Mark L. Fultz and um, Okeke and Carter Williams um, are all out. And uh, they've also got their own um, uh, <clears throat> it's a private matter vaccination status day to day as well uh, in Jonathan Isaac. So um, they're actually going to be, not only are they a weak roster and a young roster, um, even though they've got some potential, they're, they're not even at full strength. 
so yeah, I think fifteen might be, you know, might might be a a successful season for this uh, for this group. Um, I I can't I can't remember a, a a roster that looks so thin and uninspiring. I mean, they've gone they've gone the full rebuild road. They weren't going to get there with who they had. So they traded away Busevich and Gordon, and have they're definitely trying to bottom out. And I don't think they've got there yet. But um, there's just not a lot of recognisable names. So I've got the, the Lopez, Robin, not Batman. Uh, they've got Terence Ross. Yeah, at the moment, um, as you said, I mean, other than Gary Harris, their next two highest players are unavailable. And yeah, there's not a lot of. It's gonna be a long, long, long season in Orlando. What do you think, Adam? Um, when, when, yeah, if we're gonna like, we're theorizing. Do you think they could win 15 games in maybe a European league? Um, I mean, I mean, there's a. Uh, they might get one preseason win. Uh, if, if how, how many games in those European leagues in a season? Oh, I mean, like putting against. I like, mean, it, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. They, I don't, I don't think there's anywhere they go. Maybe if we combine them in a bunch of tournaments, um, we go some twelve-year-olds or something. Uh, I mean, look, they've got some. Yeah. They've got some exhibition but, games in. Uh, yeah, maybe if they come over here and I don't know, play in the NBL. Look, they've got some. They've got some potential, right? Like. It does look like Suggs is going to come in and probably from day one be the best player on the team, right? But, I mean, RJ Hampton was regarded more highly than LaMelo Ball coming out of high school. Mm. And he hasn't really, you know, had a chance to show very much yet. But, you know, that potential may not have gone away. It's just, he just, you know, he's kind of raw. You know, Cole Anthony is... He's going to get an opportunity. Opportunity in that roster, though, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, Cole Anthony looks, you know, based on his his rookie season, you know, he kind of looks like exactly what he was, you know, like a pretty good whatever it was, fifteenth fifteenth overall pick, mm. you know, like a solid a solid um fifteenth overall pick um in his second season. Um, Suggs is Suggs, sorry, yeah, yeah so, solid rotation guy. In fact, that was that was the um that was the good oil on last um on the last draft class, right, was that it was sort of middle-heavy in the sense that there were thought to not be heaps of players who were, um, you know, can't miss prospects near the top, but there were lots of solid rotation guys in the kind of the middle of the first round, and that's sort of what we've mm. seen. Um, you know, Suggs is coming in as a guy who's well-regarded as someone who can play either guard spot, which is going to be important because they're missing Fultz at the moment. Um, they've got a couple of people behind them. I don't think they're going to win a whole lot, you know, but they've got some young, raw um, people with like one elite talent. You know, the the Wagners are known for their defense, um, for example. Yeah, I don't think they're going to win a lot. Um, but I guess the other part of it is, particularly given they're missing a few people, they're probably not even really a league pass, like a fun league pass team to watch either. So yeah, no, yeah, just a bit, just a bit sad. Um, yeah. I mean, spoilers. Like I've, I've, I've got them last in the East as well. So, yeah. Yep. Um, I, I've also got them last in the East. Yeah, I mean, so. I think there's only two teams 
there are there are two teams, in my opinion, in the East that you could put a line through in terms of these guys have no chance to be playing, um, even in the playing games. So, um, and Orlando, one of them. So I've got. I, I look. Is it the the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning of of, of what that they probably they they're built to be in a situation where there's another at least another one top three draft pick who needs to come in at least and you know maybe two top five before this is very early on the process mm. um, yeah yeah if we are still happy to use that now loaded and perhaps cursed term <laughs> cursed term um, well i mean one yeah, one so, possible one possible benefit of um uh Isaac missing an indefinite number of games um, might be that it just increases their chances of getting a high draft pick um, even further, you know, like the fact that they're not at full strength. I don't think they're going to need that much help, honestly, to have a bad record, but um, yeah. Um, things aren't looking so rosy for, the, for this season will... in the House of Mouse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's going to be an in-demand ticket and sort of by design they didn't want to be semi-competitive anymore without the ability to really take the next step and challenge so they've taken a big step back um mm. it's planned it's controlled they'll you know, now ride their luck in terms of guys developing um how they go in the lottery um but yeah this, this is a this is a road that's been walked down before by many teams and we'll see if it works in Orlando. The long-suffering Orlando fans certainly deserve to turn around, but it's not about to happen in the short term. We've got three Another big team out, sort outgoing of finds... players that we probably will be talking about a bit later on. Mm, mm. Um, I've got number 14 in my list is the Pistons, who I think I had 15th last year, and if they finished last in the East, but they got the number one draft pick, so you know, uh, wheels and roundabouts. Um, this starting lineup is projected to be Killian Hayes, Kate Cunningham, the pick, Jeremy Grant, Kelly Alinek, Kelly Alinek. Um, it's, it's interesting to see him in, you know, sort of at his stage to be in that situation for Detroit, maybe, um, hmm. to use him at a later stage to try and buy a draft pick. Um, and Isaiah Stewart at centre. Um, they've got Sadiq Bay, Rodney Grude, Corey Joseph. They, you know, they have um, some friskiness on the bench. Um, Adam, my question to you about the Pistons is: Have they hit bottom? Is this uh, as bad as it's going to get for Detroit? Have they turned the corner, or have they turned the corner? I I'm gonna look at this with uh, a little bit of optimism, and I've actually not got them as 14th in my power rankings. I I don't know. There, there, there's a feel of Atlanta about this. I don't know. I, I feel like they've got this. They're this young team with nothing to lose. When your when your vet on your team is Kelly Olynyk, you have nothing to lose, right? Um, well, Cade Cunningham, really, really um, interesting prospect, I guess. But um, he's also, I don't know, if they, they keep Killian Hayes 
injury free. Uh, I know he, he's sort of had a little bit of uh, an issue in the last few months, especially staying healthy. He didn't play in the Olympics, but they've got a lot of young players. They've got a lot of rookies. Um, they're really an unknown quantity, and and that can be dangerous. I don't know. That's that's. I'd like to think that Detroit have a very proud history, and, uh, and these young ones are are about to. Uh, I don't know. Just let loose and show the league what they've got. I don't think they're making the playoffs, or in fact, the playoff, the the play in tournament. But I I think they can. I don't know, go on a bit of a run at some point this year and maybe sort of make a splash up the ladder. I'd make two points about why I would have... Uh, we've all got Orlando because we've got Orlando last, all of us. But um, the two points I make and why I had Detroit ahead of Orlando is, one, I think they're a year further along in their process. Agreed. So Orlando decided in the middle of last season that, okay, now we've got to you know, clear decks and start again. I think Detroit had that earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I put out is, I think Jerry Grant turned out to be a pretty good signing for Detroit. Now, mm. you can't always be thinking, why would why would you sign that sort of player if you're Detroit? Because it's not going to help you make the playoffs. But he does make you seem better. And sometimes you've got to have maybe those extra five wins that a guy can provide for you because he's scoring 21, 22 points a game in a, in a competent fashion, um, yep. can help a younger player. You know, there's a difference between winning 15 game games and winning 23 or 24 games. So that, those would be the two points I would have. That's why I've got Detroit 14 and Orlando 15. What do you think, Dan? Um, yeah, so I guess in answer to the kind of key question, have they hit bottom? Well, I think maybe they did, but it wasn't this season. It won't be this season. I think it was last season. I mean, the... Mm. You know, again, they got the number one pick in a top-heavy draft that is thought to be historically strong, right? Um, you know, Cade Cunningham is regarded by many as the most complete draft prospect in years um, coming into the season, right? Um, you know, Killian Hayes, you know, solid pro. Um, Jeremy Grant is showing that you know the the flashes he showed when he was in um, the, the you know the Nugs the previous season weren't uh, just a flash in the pan. Um, and while I don't think they're going to win heaps of games, there's room for um, room for hope um, of mm. improvement and continuing improvement. I do have them 14 as well, but um, you know, kind of with a bullet. <laughs> I think they're I think they're going to get better. Um, a lot will depend on how just how good Cunningham is now, but also how much he improves and whether he's definitely going to be available on day one. Um, he's listed as day-to-day at the moment. Yep. Um, but, you know, like you compare them to um, Orlando and they have they actually have a bit of a bench. It's not massive, but they have a bit of a bench. Their starting five is not, you know, elite yet, but serviceable. They've got a couple of – they've got one – potential star in the making there in Cunningham. Um, and one of the things Cunningham's known for is making people around him better too. So, you know, I think mm-hmm. there's, um, uh, it's a team that's in the process of rebuilding. Um, but I think they, I think they're on the, um, I think they're on the up now. So. Yeah. They're in the right part of the process. And I, and I guess to flip back to that, I, <laughs> Orlando are about to find that rock bottom 
has a basement this season. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Detroit are on their way up. I, I think they're, they're, yeah. they're they found the basement last season and they're and they're ready to um yeah, to get to to start the very long journey uh back to 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 where they think they belong. The Pistons have got something that yep. my my T Wolves don't have, which is hope right now. <laughs> there's 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 reason for optimism in the Motor City. So mm. um I, I think I think Pistons fans can uh, watch this season and, and be they can they'll be able to see the green shoots starting to appear. Um, which will be good news for them. Um, not so long suffering Detroit Pistons fans. We can can all remember them winning a championship not too long ago. Isn't that right? Um, um, I'm not going to drop any F-bombs tonight. I'm good. <laughs> okay, here's your, probably your first surprise. I've got the Washington Wizards in 13. And Lucky number 13. Here's my explanation. Here's my explanation. Now, I think the Wizards can and I think every team from up here has enough talent to make the playoffs if things fall the right way. But, but um, I've got the Washington Wizards 13th because I look at their lineup which is currently projected to be is Dinwiddie, Bradley Beal, Davis Bertans, Hatchiman and Gafford at center with KCP and Kuzma and Montrez Harrell on the bench. They've clearly got enough talent to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference probably for that matter but this is a team that put the pieces together don't make any sense. So my question to you Daniel is actually about a specific player and that is Bradley Beal's out of contract at the end of the season. Does he stay in the course through the whole season or does he get traded? Um, I mean, I think I think he probably stays. He's repeatedly uh, and over a long period of time talked about having no desire to leave. Um, there's no star to compete with him anymore. So if kind of owning the city is, is important to him, which there's some indication it has been, there's no competition for that role. Um, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie can be good and has been, but isn't mm. challenging for a scoring title anytime soon. Um, and, you know, honestly, I think he's got some fun teammates um, that he'll probably enjoy playing with. I, I Nothing I've, I've read or heard suggests that um, Beal has quite that, I guess, on his list of priorities, this sense of community, this sense of belonging in a city... Um, apparently, he and um, you know Dame Dame Lillard <laughs> talk on the phone about um, because they like their um, their views about moving and stuff like that have lined up so well. That said, of course, people are have, are now talking about Lillard leaving, but I don't know that Beal has got that same um, fire to like move to win. Um, whether the Wizards will trade him, I don't think they have a they don't, I don't think they have a, a good reason to do it. The only reason they do it is if they're afraid of losing him for nothing, right? Mm. Trading him right now doesn't get them closer to anything much. He's not, um, you know, he's not empty calories enough that they're going to upgrade for someone with similar numbers but more of an impact on winning, probably. Uh, most often what happens when you trade some a player of his caliber is you get, you know, up to 75 cents on the dollar for them. So unless they're... Unless the the um, the front office is really scared he will bolt, there's no reason for them to trade him. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, so basically that's 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 my sense of it. Um, I think there's some Fair fun. Enough. Yeah. The other thing I, I 
Yeah, the other thing, the reason why I'm I'm selling on the Wizards, yep, is there is a, there is an undoubted impact that Russell Westbrook has on your regular season wins, Carl, mm-hmm. and that yep. is that is gone. That's out the door. Yep. Um, what? How many? How many? How many plus or minus do you think, Adam, that the Westbrook for Westbrook out and KCP Kuzma and Harrell in? Makes to the Wizards. Um, overall, I mean, he's, he's just the most competitive guy in the league. So he will. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You look. Uh, I I think a fall from grace is is inevitable. But they snuck into the playoffs. Let's not forget mm. with Westbrook. I don't know if it's that much of a, a plummet on Washington's um uh, in Washington's defense. But you're right. Um, Westbrook is a walking triple double and the most competitive guy in the league, that's not what they're getting in Kuzma, Harrell, and KCP. Um, they're getting a lot of very, we'll call them lukewarm, cold guys, um, and occasionally one of them might get hot if it's a full moon. Um, yeah, like, they, they got pieces, but what do they do with those pieces is 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 the real question. You've posed it that, that does Beal stay or did they just use what they got from LA to to sort of put pieces around him? That would be my counter to mm. that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Who's? I mean, I, will I guess say this. Sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm just looking at the depth chart right now. Like, who's going to rebound for them and who's going to play defense? Like, uh, you know, Kuzma has shown he can be a serviceable defender. Uh, Caldwell Pope has been a decent defender. He's coming off the bench, but you know, you take... KCP's a very three and D um, focused yeah. player. Yeah. Yeah, but he's coming off the bench and he's backing up Beal, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, who's going to get who's going to rebound for them? Hachimura is actually a pretty skilled big man, but he's not a banger. He's not going to get he's not mm. going to get rebounds. And he's not going to play defense. Gafford's a pretty good shot blocker. He's not especially uh, a good rebounder. Harrell again, good um, low post to mid out to mid range scorer, um, not a defender. So who's going to play defense for them? Who's going to rebound? And I think. You have to be spectacularly good offensively for that not to be a problem. And they're not spectacularly good Just, uh, I will offensively say this. except for Beal. I will say this. We're going yeah. to get to um, this guy later on in the Eastern Conference preview. We talk about the team he currently is. He, he is a member of their roster. Um, but the Wizards do have... Four contracts, Kuzma, KCP, Bertans, and Dimwitty, who are all paid between $13 million and $17.5 million, which are usually the sort of contracts that are ideal for bundling up in that three quarters for a dollar trade. Um, I was just wondering if Washington is one of those places where we're likely to see Ben Simmons land, because Washington have the pieces that might appeal in like Philadelphia, if they can't get superstar for superstar, so mm. yeah, that's a, that's a valid point. They had the, well, they had the salary just, infrastructure. Does Philly like what Washington's got? That's that's where the question lies, right? Because yeah, they well Simmons, Simmons and, and Harold's on just under ten. Yeah, yeah, I think how much they like it, so, how much they need to like it for it to happen. Correct is going to change depending on what they think <laughs> is going on with um with that situation. So. Yeah, look, I mean, we yeah. we could be in for for a, a Philly that's 
that's very ready to part with part ways with um, cents on the dollar. So, well, I mean, I guess one of the things to think about just occurred to me now is that um, talk about talk about players who have a big impact in the regular season and maybe not so much in the playoffs. Mm. Simmons Simmons is just off a run like that, isn't he? <laughs> like they were so good in the regular season, and yeah. the thing that the the things that he's copying flack for are all related Playoff. to yeah. you know kind of disappearing in the playoffs or disappearing at least on on one end in the playoffs. And yeah, you know Washington as really bad as they are are just the type of team that could benefit from that without having to worry about um, his um, kind of playoff pedigree right now. Um, yeah. Cause that's not where they're expecting to be necessarily. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. That is, that fair is, um, yeah, it's an fair interesting, enough. it's an interesting scene. I think it'll develop quite well over the season. They could, they could use his defense yeah, and, and they could we're use good. his playmaking. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think um, there'll be a theme now in terms of the teams we're going through in terms of, you know, does ben there'll be a common refrain. This team, <laughs> this, this team enough talent. This team has enough talent to make the playoffs up or for the next few teams, or this team has enough to make the playoffs, and they will. So, at least in the Eastern Conference. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I maybe, they're, maybe they're constructed at the moment to, to, to make the move. Maybe it's just trying to bring in as much talent as possible, but that's 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 an expensive roster for uh, what doesn't seem like a whole lot of reward at the moment, and it is it is for, sort of skewed towards putting for a potential of a lottery the pick. on the bucket <laughs> rather than stopping the other yeah stopping the other team putting the ball in their bucket. Yeah. Um, so with the Wizards thirteenth, I've got the Toronto back at Toronto Raptors twelfth. Um. It pays me. So I was on the Toronto Raptors bandwagon for a long time in terms of them being a tough team to play, but you know, uh, there've been a number of moves now. So um, this projected starting lineup at the moment is Van Vliet, Gary Trench, OG Anunobi, Chris Boucher, who is who's all or Siakam. They're both under injury cloud or, or unavailability clouds, and Kim Birch at center. They they signed, they traded it for. Goran Dragic, they got him back in the Kyle Lowry trade. But other than that, there's not a lot of depth there. It looks like a, you know, it looks like a seven-man roster at most. It, it, and, and maybe I would have them longer if I wasn't such a Raptor stand in terms of how well they're coached and how much of a tough out they've been for a long time. Uh, my question to you, Adam, is, is it time for the Toronto Raptor rebuild? Um, I think, I, I think once... Once Lowry was gone, that's that. That was the that was the they had to wave the white flag. Really, um, Siakam mm. sort of was their 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 great hope, but injury clouds are gonna are gonna sort of dictate how that goes this season. I actually I said I didn't have Detroit fourteenth. Uh, Toronto's my. I I think they're about to go on an exploration to to look for that mysterious rock bottom that that Orlando's clearly found. Um, but it's time. They had a crack. They had they had a window, and I think that's just slowly. They won a title. Apart. Yeah, but yeah, they they couldn't stay relevant. As soon as Kawhi went, that was their that was their opportunity to stay relevant. And once Kawhi signed in LA, yeah, 
the pieces, the oh, yeah. I, I think the building blocks just I don't started falling apart. Many favors, not at all. I think the bubble because they had this incredible home court advantage, and they still haven't played in front of home fans since yep. pre-pandemic. So um, I'm going to get a bit of a pass for that. Um, it's 2021 now. It's not 2015. I think if we were looking at this roster six or seven years ago, we'd be thinking, who's going to trade for Dragic? <laughs> you know, like future first. Yeah. Um, before the trade deadline. But now we're probably all thinking, when are the Raptors going to cut Dragic and he's going to be a, like a buyout guy? Yep. And someone's going to come in and sign in. You know, I look at Dragic, I think, I, I'd love him in Phoenix as a buyout guy. You know, yeah, he, he's going to be one of those mid-season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're it's, a GM. It's, it's sad. Dan, do you, and you need, yeah. You're a GM, Dan. You need an extra piece in your backcourt rotation going into February. January, February before the trade window, do you trade for Dragic if you need that piece, or do you? Oh yeah, I'm to cut him. I'm a massive, I'm a massive uh, Dragic fan. Um, I mean, look, is it time to rebuild? The other, the other thing about um, about the Raptors is they've they've got a really solid development program, you know. Um, and if the if the if the Warriors are trying to make a play for like the Spurs West or the Spurs, you know, Bay Area um, type culture in terms of their their development retention and, and draft strategy. You know, the Raptors have, have kind of got a bid for the North version of that, you know. Like they've they've had a really, really good development program. You know, people weren't really looking at Siakam and Ananobi before they became something in uh, in Toronto or Van Vliet, really. Mm. Um and yeah, they've got you know they're going to be affected by injuries. I guess it's a question of whether because we know that um, um, we know that Ujiri um, has no problem uh, trading beloved players if he thinks it's really going to help the team. Um, mm. So I'm curious to see whether they do, like whether they um, you know because they've got some valuable um, valuable guys there who mm. might not be looking forward to the prospect of not winning very much. Um, this season, I've got them a little higher than you, but not much, um, Andrew. I think I've got them eleven, so still out of the play-in. Um, and that plus, yep. you know, injury, injury clouds for a few of their important guys. I just don't see them making much noise. And um, and the idea of making a move to improve or uh, to secure some more capital for the future, um, I think, is you know not unlikely. Um, I mean, some of the guys that they've added value to might even be on the block. Um Siakam's very popular, but mm. he's a he's he's had some limitations that have shown up, even though he's, you know, good at the stuff that he's good at. Um so I wouldn't be surprised if mm. if someone we have really come to think of as a as a Raptor lifer ends up not being a Raptor lifer either during mm. the season. Fair enough. Well people have been listening to previews on the NBA for over a number of years and know that it's one of my shticks that, you know, I, I, I stick with you until I have a reason not to stick with you. Once upon a time, that was the Cleveland Cavaliers after LeBron left, right up until five minutes after we recorded the podcast. Um, with Toronto, it was last season, so they were going to make the playoffs. So, um, you know, based on the talent on the roster, I could probably have them below Washington quite easily. But um, I'm willing to have them where they are. And, uh, you know, they're not, they're not doing any 
they're not they're not scaring anyone this season um, in any meaningful sense. Uh, maybe on a particular night um, at Jurassic Park. They <laughs> uh, go to number eleven. My number eleven is speaking of teams I've showed I showed respect to until they you know spurred me like a redheaded stepchild. Um, number eleven, I got the Cleveland Cavaliers, and this is quite a softening of 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 it for me because I've had the I think I've had last in the or second last in the Eastern Conference for the last three years with a you know with a spite. Of what they did to me, the trust I showed them. Um, their starting line at the moment is Garland and Sexton. Ikakoro, who was one of the rookie discoveries, the surprise pack. The last talking about that uh, that big middle in last year's draft and, yep. and the role players. They picked up Laurie Markinen, who's projected to start at power forward, and Jared Allen, of course, who was probably the the really smart trade acquisition. All NBA under the radar last season of any team, how they got him in that four-way deal that, uh, or three-team deal that saw uh, James Harden go to Brooklyn. They've got, they've still got Kevin Love. They've got Ricky Rubio, um, and they've got Evan Mobley. So they've got the parts that he has, and they've got parts of a nice rotation. My question to you, Dale, is: Can the Cleveland Cavaliers be competitive this season for more than two months? Because last season, through you know, through the first couple of months of the season. You know, they were a 500 team and they were playing some really good basketball and then they just dropped away. Can the Cleveland Cavaliers make... Can they be relevant in April? Look, I do think they're going to struggle. I mean, uh, the ghost of Kevin Love is still technically on the roster. Um, but he's a shell of his former self. Um, I mean, maybe he'll be able to find it if, you know, if he gets a desirable trade destination. But his trade value can't be all that high right now, particularly with that contract. Markinen came to join the Cavs possibly spending some time on the bench even, but after underachieving for years in Chicago, Chicago, who hasn't been good for a while, you know, mm. Rubio, Rubio is a good pickup, a nice a solid, uh, particularly as a, when he, if he's only being called on to be a backup point guard, but he does need targets, right? Like he's a, he's a passer and he's not a strong defender. So like, um, you know, he needs people to pass to, and he's a kind of a turnstile. I like Sexland, but they're uneven, you know, um, the that kind of backcourt duo. I'm pretty excited about Mobley though. Um, there is a bit of a you know there's a bit of a jam in his preferred positions, you know. Um, mm. So I'd be, be curious to see you know how they end up solving that minutes puzzle. At the moment, the um, ESPN version of the depth chart they've got they've they've got um, him uh, as second center and third power forward in their in their depth chart rotation here um so i mean they'll find some minutes for him um and you never know it might end up being um they might end up playing a whole lot of uh mobley with with um Markinen or allen or you know kind of switching them up so i think they could be they could be competitive for more than a couple of months but i'm just not sure where the consistency is going to come from um yeah yeah um, certainly got I mean, that, that, that first couple of months last season was uh, was certainly led by that backcourt. So, mm. Rubio is an interesting fit because I think we saw last season in Atlanta that sort of um, the value in Rondo ended up being as a trade piece to get Lou Williams, who ended up sort of being more valuable to where Atlanta and what they're trying to achieve. 
than Rondo did. Now you've got this situation with the veteran old guy point guard trying to hand it down his trying to hand it down this Garland Sexton both one and a half guards, both sort of league guards. It's it's an old fashioned backcourt and you've got this pure point mm. old guy trying to hand it down. It, it's just yeah, I was really bullish on Rondo going to Atlanta last season, but it didn't play out. So now I'm sort of wary of whether this can work in Cleveland. What do you think, Adam? Uh, yeah, Cleveland's an interesting one. I, I just, I don't think they're. Oh, what's the nicest way to say it? I just don't think they're going to be able to put it all together. Um, Markinen doesn't seem like. Yeah, he's not all he was cracked up to be. He was. Look, it's a it's a chance to prove himself in Cleveland. They're, they're just not exciting. Um, I, I do I do admit, um, who was it? Is it Jared Allen? Have you ever been to Cleveland? I hear the Rock no. and Roll Hall of Fame is there, but it doesn't. It, the, the reputation of the place does is not exciting. Yeah, but come on, LeBron brought them a championship. He does good stuff. Have you seen LeBron's movie, was, by the way? That was that was a long, long birth. Um, I haven't yet. Oh, don't. <laughs> Just don't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, look, LeBron left. Cleveland fell in a hole. They're they're rebuilding, and it's it's a process. I don't think all the pieces they need are there. Um, it was nice at the start of the season to get some young, energetic guys playing some good ball together. But I don't think this is a, a squad that's going to be able to sort of string a bunch of wins together and be be relevant in any way, shape, or form. I just think they're going to struggle. I Fair think I they're legitimately trust, going to struggle. I don't trust them enough to have them in anywhere important, and I think the teams above them are sort of. So we're wait we're we've got a class in, above. You've got um, them in eleven, which is I've got them in eleventh, which is the spot outside the play-in, right? Yeah. Yep. Beautiful. Yeah, but on my on my list, um, I've got the line between eight and nine because that's where it's actually important, and the play-in is a terrible idea. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, can, can you slow down and repeat that? The, on we go. Terrible idea. The play-in. <laughs> oh, so it's your crusty old dude moment as someone who is now younger. Than the the premier of New South Wales, that is my crusty old man moment. So, um, <laughs> brought to you by Old Spice. In my day, um, uh, <laughs> hey, the AFL trade whisperer can claim to have a naming rights sponsor. Then so in this podcast, fair, point, um, fair, <laughs> fair point. Number ten on my list is the Indiana Pacers who I think ended up finishing in this spot last season in reality. I think they were the first team knocked out of the play-in tournament. Quite possible. Um, it was them or, or the, was it the was it the Hornets? I'm not sure. But um, Potato, potato, really. Their starting lineup is predict, yeah, projected to be Brogdon, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, DeMontis, Sabonis, and Miles Turner. Um, they've got TJ McConnell and Tory Craig on the bench. They've got Karis Levert and TJ Warren on the sidelines at the moment on the injured roster. A question to you, Adam. 
is this Indiana Pacers roster looks a lot like the Indiana Pacers roster from last season, looks a lot like the Indiana Pacers roster from the season before. Where does the improvement come from? I think How it's do they subtle. get better? I think it's subtle. It's it's subtle improvement with Indiana, and that's how they've always done it. There's nothing big and flashy about the way they go about it. It's a very similar-looking roster, but they've made those subtle. Yeah, if you thought Cleveland was a boring place. <laughs> Indiana are the turtle, are the snails of the league. They evolve at a snail's pace, but they are consistent. They keep getting there. They find a way to try and like give people a glimmer of hope that they're relevant. And I think this season, um, and the other the other move they made, I guess, um, last season was was coaching. You they've got Rick Carlisle at the helm. Um, they they're, they're I think they're heading in the right direction, and I think Sabonis and Brogdon are both um, heavily underrated players. I think they they've got a lot of talent. Uh, Turner's good. They've got a lot of good role players. I think Indiana's going to do what Indiana does and be very serviceable. But I think they're better than they were last season. But you're right. You can't okay. find where you can't find. Yeah. You just you're 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 saying it's it's a, it's in the coaching staff. It's it's Carlisle. It's Carlisle. It's got it's got to be, be the, this slight adjustment is the coaching staff, and they're never going to do a massive overhaul. They're Indiana. They're gonna they're gonna stick to their their program, and they this year the, the decision will. In the last year, it's been the coaching coaching the, staff. Let's move it. There was a pretty drastic overhaul in the. They got when Paul George left. That was pretty drastic. Yeah. So the big the big upheavals it was have sort been of forced what? upon them. Paul George and Oladipo. Would you say Oladipo was a bit of a... Because they were going to put all their eggs in one basket with Oladipo. What's he doing now? <laughs> he re-signed in Houston or something? He's in Miami. Ooh. He's in Miami. He made his... That's we'll right. He went to, went to Miami. He just sort of floated around. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. So I've got a couple of things to say about Indy. Um, I was just having a look at the like injury statuses and stuff like that. Now, while TJ Warren's out indefinitely... Yeah, um, Levert may well be back for the season opener, Which um, is... and that actually could be a source of improvement because he's better than Warren is. Um, they yeah. have different skill sets, but Levert's more complete player, uh, and his ceiling is higher. Um, so I think you know, like you've got um, Sabonis and Turner, who, um, you know, despite sort of kind of playing the same position, they play it differently enough. I was actually looking at their um, their shot charts earlier on. And they're complement. They're so complementary that while they both like shooting from the shoulder, right? They each have a favorite shoulder, and it's the opposite one, right? So I can't remember which one's which, but like Sabonis is a really good uh, three-point shooter from like I think it's the right shoulder, and Turner's really good from the other shoulder, right? Um, so I think there'll be some improvement there. I think in addition to some of the subtle stuff you were talking about with the, you know, the coaching change. Um. I think you know effectively swapping out, um, uh, swapping out uh, Warren for Levert. I think is actually a net improvement, even though obviously it'd be better for them if they had both. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I um I I realized looking at it, and this may not be a source of improvement, just you know talking about this underrated theme. T.J. McConnell is way better than you think he is. <laughs> He's certainly better than I thought he was. I was just having a look at his numbers because I remember him as you know as being kind of a bit player on Philly. For a while there, but he's he's averaged like eight point 
8.6, 3.7, 6.6, and two steals on 56% shooting as a backup point guard for Malcolm Brogdon. 6.6 wow. assists as a backup point guard. That's astonishing. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I just think that they're kind of solid. I've actually, I'm, I'm, I've got them one position higher than you do, uh, Andrew. I've got them, I've got them in uh, ninth. Um, uh, you'd me on that one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I mean, I do think there's, I do think there's some, um, there's some hope here, and I like I say, I think in terms of personnel, the main difference, in effect, seems to be this season. It's Warren who's out indefinitely, and Levert who's probably going to be present for most of the season. So, mm. yeah, yeah, Indiana, Very one good. of those, one of those Very steady good. performers well, that, yeah, I'm, um, I'm unenthusiastic, and I left them out last season. I, I feel comfortable about doing it again this season. I'm, <laughs> I'm unenthused, but others are more enthused. Um, number nine, just out of the actual real playoffs, um, I've got the Chicago Bulls. Mm. Now, there's a point of contention here. This is what their this is, this is what their starting lineup is projected to be. They've brought in Lonzo Ball. They've got Zach Levine. They've brought in Demar Derozan. Patrick Williams and Nikola Vucevic, who they traded for last year. They've Kobe White, Alex Caruso, Adam's own Alex Caruso, and Derek Jones uh, listed on their depth. They've got talent. My question to you, Dan, is do the pieces fit? I'm not so I'm not <clears throat> it's one of those teams where you think, geez, they're, they're all good players. You know, and on the on the on the surface of it, you think that you know someone like Levine and, and a big guy like Vucevic will able to play with a you know a pass first, defense first point guard like and a guy with such a strong mid range game as Demar. But this is I was sort of bit a little bit. I thought the Bulls when they pushed all in last season with the Vucevic. But these guys are going to make a run. They're going to make the playoffs. And the the bottom of the East was wide open with two months to go last season. And they they went backwards as Washington Wizards and the Charlotte Hornets and the end of the Pacers went in another direction. I'm 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 weary of balls as constructed because I think I they're, they're certainly not sort of organically grown. They're sort of put together. So what do you think after all that um, sort of word salad? I yeah, so in 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 short, I think they actually have a pretty good chance. And the reason I do think that is because what they were missing before was kind of this connective tissue, this glue. Um, and I was having to think about things like chemistry and floor geometry. Like, I actually looked at everyone's shot charts and, like, where they're good from and where they like to shoot from and that sort of stuff. And it actually lines up surprisingly well. So you've got some really, really good passes on that starting lineup now. So, like, um, you know, DeMar DeRozan, um, uh, DeMar DeRozan averaged seven assists a game last season. Levine pushed up to five. Lonzo Ball, we all know, is a fantastic passer. So they've got, they've got a bit of, they've got, they've got some ball movement, right? And looking at where they like to shoot from, you know, their floor spacing is not going to be a problem either. Like, you look at that lineup and, you know, um, Probably the worst shooter is Williams, assuming he's he's in. Um, they've got um, you know the they've got they've got the you know the current king of glue guys in 
Alex Caruso coming off the bench now. Um, and, you know, like that, that starting lineup, it might not have heaps of defense, but Lonzo is a pretty good defender. And they've got all of this movement and they can, as a team, they can kind of score from anywhere. You know, they've even got specialists in certain types of threes and different types of, um, of kind of paint shots. So I think in terms of their skill mix, I think they're surprisingly good. They're not great, not a great defensive team. There are a couple of good defenders. Ball and Caruso are pretty good defenders, but aside from that, not a super strong defensive team. But they've got surprisingly good balance offensively. And if you think about some of the higher scorers, they're also not the type of people generally who rock the boat chemistry-wise either. Like, can anyone imagine DeMar DeRozan whinging about not getting enough shots um, and, you know, upsetting the apple cart that way? Yeah. What about Lonzo? Right? Like, the people they've added add skill. Uh, they add um, kind of ability and specialize in areas that previously no one was occupying on the team. Um, and they're not obnoxious uh, obnoxious personalities either like none of these guys mm. has been tagged as a chemistry problem anywhere they've been um so yeah i think you know levine and vucevic by themselves weren't a perfect fit but i think some of those gaps between being able to make the most of both of them on the same lineup have been filled now with the acquisitions um mm. they do have a bit of that like manufactured boy band sort of feeling just in terms of how they were put together <laughs> And it might take a little while for the chemistry to kind of develop, right? But skill-wise, it should work. Um, There's a new kids on the block okay. joke. So this is dying this... to be told. Come on. <laughs> no, no. This is the important. Can they hang tough? To throw yeah. it to our resident boy, Adam, Amy, who we <laughs> saw what he used to wear on his head when we were in our early twenties. Um, Adam, the the, the Bulls have, have have, as Daniel said, a boy constructed. Boy band to them. So the question is this: Are the Chicago Bulls the Backstreet Boys are in sync? Well, Backstreet Boys are in sync. Look, look, look. I was I was going to stick with the new kids on the block and say they got to take it step by step. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I think I think this, uh, applause, applause. this constructed group of players they've actually not gone for a what would you call it a a prominent, like that superstar caliber. The cal actually, the caliber's there. The status isn't. I think they've got some very, very serviceable players, and I think it's very smart what they've done. Whether or not it works is 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 to be seen. But they've got, like, I mean, DeRozan is at a superstar level, but he was never really the spotlight guy. Uh, Vucevic, <laughs> like he he was such an underrated big. Uh, Levine can do more than just dunk, and and I think Lonzo still has a lot of potential in the league. And well, of course, they they've got the real goat in Chicago now in in Alex Caruso. Um, <laughs> what what they do with all of these pieces is going to be, I think it's going to be exciting. Uh, I don't know if it it comes together as quickly as everyone would like, but I I think there's. A lot more potential in Chicago than there has been for a while, um, and and I, I think but, they instantly so move into relevance. Yeah, I, I, here's I, the answer to the question about which boy band they are, and it's this, and it 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 it, it ties back to what I think is the. This is a Justin Timberlake reference, but everything they brought, 
everything they brought in, and that is the Bulls will only go as far as Zach Levine takes them because someone has to be the guy. Zach, if Zach so, Levine is just Zach a Timberlake, Levine I'm going to Zach Levine is... If Zach Levine is Nick Carter and they are the Backstreet Boys, they don't make the playoff. And if Zach Levine is Justin Timberlake and they're in sync, they make the playoffs. That's... <gasps> That is how you do analogy, my friend. So you're saying oh. that if he's you're saying that if he's not Justin Timberlake, then we're saying bye 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 to the Chicago Bulls. Oh, <laughs> I think we Tell should just retire why. now. I don't know if we're going to have a better podcasting moment than that. This is the point where Simmons is saying we should start the video. This is going on. Yeah, <laughs> that, yes, good work. Oh no, um, I don't trust them because I don't think. I think Levine is just that gray below what he needs saying, to be to take saying he's Nick the Carter. To, uh, yeah, so I'm saying he's Nick Carter. Um, Chicago's back. Yeah, you, don't, you, don't, um, you don't. You don't. think he'll be. He'll be yeah. coming high on um, high on his uh, Olympic team, Team USA success, and get that bump that so many Team USA I players mean, get. I mean, he might do. He might do. And I, I mean, look, it wouldn't surprise me that they're. they're that was a you know on on paper, <laughs> on, on paper they're a really well constructed team and as you as you so eloquently point out they're they're, they're offensively there's, there's been a lot of thought put into it and all the pieces do seem to complement each other and they brought in a couple, you know two or three people who are have really well in reputations as being really good mats so um you know I, I they, they look like a team I look at them and I think I want them to see succeed but it just hasn't happened in the last last couple of iterations for the Chicago Bulls probably since Derek Rose and um Noah and those guys were on the list. I'm I'm weary of the Bulls and that's why I probably just had them mm. underneath another couple of teams that I'm less wary of that I trust more. So, yeah, I had yeah. them sneak I had them sneaking into the old fashioned pre uh, pre play in playoffs. I've yeah. got them late. I've, I've, yeah, I've got, got them just the outside. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Very good. The team I have just inside the playoff is the Charlotte Hornets in the number eight spot. They've also got a ball at point guard in Lamella. Oh, They've got oh we didn't Terry get the Chicago joking. Bridges. Which Chicago joke? What Chicago they, joke? They called them all because the Lakers have been nicknamed 360 because of AD, uh, yeah. LeBron, and Brody. Uh, their numbers. These guys yeah. have been called D Balls, Zach. D Balls. <laughs> D Ball Zach. <laughs> Three separate so, words. Andrew. So I don't know in, what the ca- in the space of one team, yeah, hours long, to, over two podcasts preview, we've had the, the high water mark in the history of this podcast and the low water mark <laughs> on this podcast. That's an effort. Um. um Back to the Hornets, Adam. <laughs> Lamelo Ball, Terry Rose, Gordon Hayward, and Myson Plumley are their starting projections up their bench. They've got Ish Smith. They've signed or traded for Kelly Oubre, PJ Washington. Um, my question to you, Adam, is: Should we be comfortable relying on a sophomore surge from Lamelo Ball? Is he going to be better this year? Than he was last year. Interrupted the season last season, but mm. was very good before he got hurt. Didn't have a long time to really make much of an impact after he got back to Hornets for the last team in the conference from the plot before the playoffs. I'm bullish. I think Lamelo is 
you know, as as the point guard, he's a generational talent. Rozier, you know, was sort of stumbled on that gold a little bit. Hayward um, was back to his best. I, I just, I like how they play. Mm. And I think they're able to build on this season. They haven't changed a lot. You know, Kelly, you raised the sort of player you can add, you know, to fundamentally change things around. I think he's a very nice guy to have on the bench, filling in two or three spots, swinging from the two to the four. So I like what the Hornets have done. And I think something started last season. Last season was a bigger change. The more fundamental as the roster in the out. Now they're like, let's run it back. Let's add a piece. Everyone's going to be more familiar. Normal, more, much more normal season. I like the Hornets. Look, I, I'd, I'd be, I'd be much higher on the Hornets if, um, if the other ball had been there, uh, Leangelo, and then they'd have two balls. But, um, sorry, I had to do that after the Zach joke. Uh, I, don't, look, I don't know if you did. They're, they're, they're exciting. Let's, let's be real. Um, I don't know if it hinges on, on Lamelo's shoulders, does it? Like I know. He's going to be a talent. There's there's no doubt um, of the of the three ball brothers. Lamelo is 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 the guy that is is definitely a. Um, I mean, remember Lonzo was a generational talent until he got to the league and then he wasn't great. Lamelo's come up and and done it. He's put his money where his mouth is. Mm-hmm. And but it's the pieces around him. They've got they've they've got to step up. Um, it can't just be on sophomore Lamello's shoulders because those shoulders will crumble quite literally. Um, yeah, this is as scary as it sa- sounds. This is going to be on, on Hayward more than it is um, ball. I think their success and failure depends on, on that kind of veteran leadership. That's, it certainly that's, does appear. Yeah. There's going to be a bit more reliance on that starting lineup. Having said they've added that, they've kept the core together, but Malik Monk's gone. Yep, there's another couple of pieces that aren't there. They were they were sort of they had a, they had the sort of insane depth last season that they don't quite have this season. Yeah, they're they starting to find they, their they, shape. They I guess prioritize keeping their most important players around. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, Uber is a nice guy to have on the bench, and he can fill it at multiple positions. But yeah, yeah. I mean, what is it like? They've lost um, Monk and Graham and picked up Ubre. I mean. Who's who's just injured himself? Actually, <laughs> I just I just read. Um, he's day to day, so it's not that bad. But I I tend to agree. I think um, two things. One of them is I think Lamelo took a lot of people by surprise. Um, mm. And in a second season after winning Rookie of the Year, he's not going to take anyone by surprise. He's a wizard with the ball, but I think it'll. I think it might take him a little while to adjust to the fact that the fences are actually geared towards him now. Um, the, the people are scouting him now. Yeah, he's being really? scouted. He's not yep. surprising people the way he did. Yep. Um, you know, he plays. He's going to open up opportunities for someone like Hayward, who plays the four and yeah. can handle. That's going to. Yeah, mm, he played. The going to open up for the other uh, sets that don't necessarily involve Lamella. Certainly. Yeah, and you know, like. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, like Terry Rozier, you know, has has played point guard. Um, he's better at the scoring part than the ball movement part. But nevertheless, they've got a few a few um, directions they can initiate offense from. Um, yeah, I don't know. Look, I think um, a lot of it's on Hayward. Like Adam, I have some doubts about whether he can stay healthy. 
Um, and I think when he's not healthy, uh, his his loss is very much felt. Mm. Um, I think I I seem to remember reading some stats from last season that you know um, they did they actually did just fine when Lamelo was out. Relatively speaking, it wasn't that different. But when Hayward was out, they had a lot of problems. Um, and I think that's likely to be the way it goes um, for now, at least. And you know, I think Ubre is good, a good player to have um, for them. But I mean, thinking about you know who they've lost as well, it's you know it's not a not a huge upgrade. So yeah, I mean, look, I've got them in the play-in. I don't have them, you know, in the <laughs> I don't have them in the kind of uh, in the old school. Um, clearly, in I don't have them in the top eight. Um, but you know, I think they're going to be a, a fun team to watch, particularly when everyone's healthy, particularly when when Bridges comes in off the bench um, and Ball's there to throw lobs to it. Yep, exciting for sure. Like, there's no doubt yep. there. Mm. Fair like, that sounds, can you imagine that a lineup, good. a lineup with um, Ball bringing the ball down the court, transition, Kelly Oubre on one wing and Bridges on the other. Like that'd be great fun. But yeah, yeah, yeah look out. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, and and there's a there's a bunch of teams that you know probably from there down to Washington. There's probably seven teams where there's six teams where it's probably sort of like any order. If you could get if teams, if teams can get a run, they can get their act together. If they can mm. gel, if one of their younger players takes the lead, sort of thing. So yeah, well, is, is this is this great. the kind of season? Yeah, one of them is. Is this going to be the kind of season where any team from like seven through to thirteen, um, you would not be surprised if they finished in one of those spots? I think that's been most years in conference lately. To be truthful. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think I think um, you know, like, yeah, I think that's probably true. I just just one more point about like kind of the sophomore surge thing. I think, you know, where do they come from normally? I think it's probably some combination uh, that thinks about things like improved confidence, increased role, or kind of off-season work. You know, adding some tricks, that sort of thing. So I don't, I haven't heard anything about his prep specifically. I don't think his confidence could possibly have gotten much higher. Um, <laughs> well, well he has should we asked Lavar? Yeah, did you want post school? Not good enough. Yeah. Um, and um, I mean, on the one hand, his role might be increased, but I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty core by the end of the season too. So I'm not mm. sure. Yeah. Anyway, there's just one more point about that. Fair. That's cool. Number seven. Over halfway. I've got the New York Knicks. We're past halfway. Yes. <laughs> um, projected sign they've added. They've got, they've suddenly up upgraded some positions. So now they've got Kemba Walker, RJ Barrett, Evan Fournier, Julius Randle, who was the most improved player in the league last season, and Mitchell Robinson. They've got Derek Rose, Alex Burks, they'll be top for Newlands Noel, Taj Gibson, Kevin Knox. They've, they've, they've got a bench. Um my question, and this one's for you, Daniel. I you know, I think I think we've We've already talked about teams that might have more top to bottom talent than the New York Knicks. I think we might I think we might be paying a lot of respect to I might be paying a lot of respect to Julius Randle's season by having him at seventh. Are the Knicks a just an absolute gold standard candidate for a, to be a one year wonder? Or or are the are the Knicks are the Knicks a legitimate 
you know, perennial playoff team is currently constructed. I think they're um I think they're a they're a clear well playoff slash play in team, actually. So mm. look, I think I think Randall what Randall did last season was very impressive. I think in the playoffs when people had a chance to play against them multiple times, and I think one of the things it revealed was while he plays very hard, he cares. Um offensively his um his range of moves is a little bit limited. But on the other hand, they added some really good offensive creators in the offseason, right? They're not as reliant on Randall to create all of their offense now. Um, I mean, if Kemba's even 60 to 60 or 70% of what he was pre-injury, you know, him plus Fournier, who's just been tearing it up in the Olympics for France as well, right? Barrett's continued development, um, Derek Rose off the bench, um, Alex Burks with his shooting, like, I mean, even quickly, um, I actually think they're um, they're actually a more solid team now than they were last season. Mm. Um, last season, I think they got a lot. You know, they got some. They worked. They worked their tails off. They got some good breaks. Um, they cared more in the regular season than other teams, and I think that's why they got a seeding as high as they did. I don't think they'll do it again with this team. I don't think they'll be up in whatever it was, fourth or something. But yeah, I've got them as seven too. I think they'll. Um, I think they're they're solid. They've got you know kind of versatile offense. They don't have to initiate mm. it with um, Randall every time now. Um, you know Fournier can initiate, but Kemba's very good at initiating. Um, and if he's you know a reasonably good approximation of himself, then I think that's going to be enough. Um, Nolan's Noel. Um, I was kind of looking at his numbers, um, and um, he's a very strong, <laughs> a very strong defensive big off the bench, very aggressive. Um, you know, uh, up above two blocks and a steal in about twenty minutes a game. Like that's those are good defensive numbers for a big. It's highly disruptive. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the East is really strong, so I don't see them getting up into the like the top half of the playoffs. And and would it be fair to say that the Knicks could be better and win fewer games? Um, it's very possible. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really happy with a bunch of the analogies we've had, uh, this evening, uh, <laughs> especially with the, uh, going back to the days of NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> uh, I'm going to call New York the, uh, we won't call them sort of like the mighty ducks. We'll call them all the replacements. We'll go to movie analogies now, but they're, they're all the, the misfits. They're those misfit characters that have been jammed together and they've had this amazing season. Julius at the helm. I think they've they've kind of built on that. This is like this is kind of like going from major league to major league two. And Julius as well. They made a second major league. They did. It was terrible, but um, <laughs> which probably goes with the yeah, analogy, yeah. right? <laughs> Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I that's think New York's a, that's got a, all this potential. That's a pod. It does. That's a podcast for another time. This one of the best for baseball movies of all time. Why Major League isn't one of them? Um, <laughs> so, um, I'm, I'm, I will I'm say a, a massive Randall fan. Uh, I don't think it's been any yeah. secret. I'm a been, huge, you were, huge Julius fan, especially when he was on the bandwagon when there was no one else on the bandwagon. Correct. Correct. Um, yeah. it, you, you are said, in fact driving the bandwagon. 
yeah, I built the bandwagon for everyone to hop on. It was it was good to see last year. Um, and and you've probably hit the nail on the head. They could probably get better and finish lower. Um, than they did. So, um, a lower percentage of play more games this season. Yeah, so. yeah, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I I haven't got them at seventh. I've actually got them at eighth. So I still think they're going to be thereabouts in that that sort of playoff tournament situation. This is the one point I would make about the Knicks that would be in their favour in terms of if you were going to make the argument for them actually winning more games and having a mm-hmm. higher winning percentage. And that is they lost a whole bunch of close games. Yeah. And statistical analysis of any sort of, in any sort of sporting sense, will tell you that just on average, if you lose a whole bunch of close games in a season, just everything eventually reverts to the mean. So you know, the teams don't lose a whole bunch of close games or win a whole bunch of close games two seasons in a row. Yeah. It is, you know, the main, the most important factor in terms of winning close games in sport is where, where the scores can, are like NBA scores or AFL scores is it's sort of luck. So, yeah, they're going to, they get, they might come um, away with more wins as a result of that. Yeah. Mm. Could go the other way. Yeah. So, yeah. um, it was a really good story that no one expected last season. So, um, yeah, that was good. Let's go from the good story of last season to the bad story of right now. I've got the Philadelphia 76ers at six. I've had them everywhere in the last few years, anywhere between one and six in, in our views. Um, so, the question, Adam, is the obvious one. I'll just go through the starting lineup that's currently projected at the moment. Tyrese Maxey at point, uh, Seth Curry at shooting guard, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, and Joe Embiid. Um, we've just seen, in terms of the, the Olympics experience, we've just seen Matisse Teibel uh, come away with an Olympic bronze medal, so it was wonderful to see him do that. Andre Drummond is in Philly as a, as a backup big man uh, for, for John. We all know what the story is at the moment in Philadelphia. So, yeah. Adam, not where does Ben Simmons end up? But what did Philadelphia get for Ben Simmons? Because he ain't coming back. Quickly. Well, he's not. He's not coming back. And I, I still, I, I, I don't think he has handled this well at all. Um, no. It's all well and good to have confidence and and have tickets on yourself, but he has seriously overrated himself. He's literally put it to the club. It's it, the the. He doesn't want to come back because he's found out that Embiid is more important. So, yeah, I. It's embarrassing. Like I get it, you're under a lot of pressure, Ben. But you are not worth what you think you're worth, and Philadelphia are just going to look to get the best deal for you, for for them, not for you. Mm. And that is what Phil and that's Philadelphia's. Um, that's their prerogative. They should be looking for the best deal for them. I think they're going to look for pieces. Um, I don't think they're going to look for a star. Okay. Does they have to be? Uh, does they? Do they have to find a starting point guard in that? You know, box so of chocolates uh, yeah. that they get back for it. Yeah, maybe. They like like Maxi, but uh, yeah, yeah, and you know, he was like this, sort of the deal breaker. That's why they don't have James Harden. Yeah, let's let's be real. There's there's a few um there's 
I mean, there's not many really, really super, super point guards out there, but we did mention one before that we think thought might get waived. Mm. Now, Dragic, they might be able to sign someone like Goran Dragic off waivers. So that might take care of their point guard problem. It might. I don't know. Mm. But there's another – I don't know. Dragic and – Rajic and Owenobi for Simmons, the salaries match up. Mm. Mm. I, I just, that, yeah. This, <laughs> that, that, that team, that Philadelphia team suddenly becomes the presumptive favourite, I would have thought. Mm. Mm. That's scary. In the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Rajic, Curry, OG, Harris, Embiid with. Maxi, Danny Green, Matthias Tubal, and Andre Drummond on the bench. That's it's a pretty solid lineup, right? That's scary. Yeah, yeah, it's terrifying. It's hmm. I don't know. Yeah, look, I mean, honestly, so, so who who do you think's putting their hat in the ring? Let's let's approach this a different way and say who's putting their hat in the ring. Well, Danny, you're the one who does preparation on these. Podcasts. Podcasts. Who, who who is being reported? Notice I'm being throwing it out to you guys. Because I haven't yeah. done the research. Well, I mean, the one that it's funny, right? Because the one that that keeps there there are two that kind of refuse to die, um, despite many many denials from people involved. Mm. So the Warriors keep coming up. Um, That's because we started that ages ago. <laughs> but the the sense, yeah, I mean, the the sense of it is that at like best, two years ago, at mm. best they're divided. On yep. uh, on whether they want it, on whether they want Simmons anyway. Okay. Um, the T Wolves, the, the best player. Just before you go to the Timberwolves, the best player the Sixers can get back in a Ben Simmons trade with the Warriors is Andrew Wiggins. Yes, which is not a point. Everyone guy. else is off the table. It's not involving. It's not involving Steph. It's not involving Clay Thompson. It's not involving Draymond Green. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. you know, like he might have been up for grabs, except he actually decided to get his shot. So, um, mm. he he was well he done, was Andrew Wiggins. Potentially depressed value. Everybody get vaccinated. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. So the for some reason, and no one seems to be very clear on what the T Wolves could offer for it, but they keep mentioning that. Although, um, didn't Ro- I think Rosas just got ousted? Um, so you know. That potential kind of personal connection um, between he and Maury is no longer uh, in play. Um, and after that, it's like the other one that that I've heard mentioned um, is the Kings. Um, but again, you know, like what are the Kings off? What would the Kings be offering? Mm. You know, um, not Fox apparently, right? Um, maybe healed. If it's um, the Timberwolves, yeah. If there's a, if it's the if it's Timberwolves, that's going to be one of those situations where the Sixers asking for Anthony Edwards and they're getting offered D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, and that, that 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 that's a classic impasse situation where the Sixers want something for Ben Simmons, and the Timberwolves say, "No, no, you can have this." Yeah, and, so, and D'Angelo Russell's got ice in his veins. Come on, sorry, that's um, way too old, isn't it? That's a that's a <laughs> 2016 throwback, isn't it? Although a whole bunch of AFL people now know what that means, thanks to Bailey Smith. 
Um, <laughs> it wasn't, you know. I didn't think it was that 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 was the reason. I they thought looked they it just up. literally were on ice. Anyway, <laughs> Oof, that was low. Um, yeah, on. but I guess you know, uh, aside from someone's going to get sued. It's going to be me. So careful. <laughs> <laughs> aside, aside from that, it's like fun things with people getting out the uh, getting out the trade machine and doing things like the discussion we had before about Washington and you know yeah. places like that. Honestly, I think the best place, like, I think the most likely trade is going to end up being to a team that isn't, that doesn't have championship aspirations in the next few years, that just wants to get from, um, from bad to mediocre or mediocre to goodish, like contending for the playoffs, but not contending for a championship. And his value, I mean, his value has never been lower. I like, yeah, and it's funny because he has a value in terms of what people will be willing to give up to him, but he also he actually literally has a dollar over his head that the the yep. rules mean you have to sort of meet unless you, have you to get are to that part of the yeah. One of the teams that's millions of dollars under the cap, like probably Orlando are now. So um and he's not he's not going to Orlando. Um on Sacramento, again, I think it's a situation like it is in Minnesota now. Sacramento aren't nearly as, you know, and my apologies, in a hope, so, such a hopeless position as the Timberwolves are at the moment. But again, this is going to be asking for Tyrese Halliburton and the Sacramento Kings. You're going to know you can have this instead. So mm. I tend to agree, Daniel, that I think it will be. I mean, I, the one situation sort of makes sense if you put him together with Bradley Bill and you, you're sure Bill's going to stay. Then, and I'm I'm on the record for a long time as, you know, I want to see him in a situation where he can play small ball five. Yeah. Would you know why can't Ben Simmons be like the like the covered in twenty four carat gold, twelve feet tall version of Clint Capella? So, you know, just take, you know, just let him rim run and defend. And also, this guy who, if he does grab defensive rebounds, can just put the ball on the floor straight it's, away. But everyone else is everyone else is mobile. So yeah, you know, Washington don't have a incumbent at center who you'd be like, oh well, you know, we can't, we have to play somewhere else because we're going to play this guy at center. So it's funny that we're, it's funny that we keep talking about him as or those who do keep talking about him as like a small ball center. He's six ten. He's not he's not small for a center. No. You know? Is hmm. um he might might want to bulk up a little if he was going to be playing more of it. Got a lot in his street, but yeah, yeah. But he wants to he you know as we stated in the last yeah. podcast, part of the problem is he wants to play one position. So and trust you know, as people who listen to our podcast, we we've talked about Philadelphia more than any other team. <laughs> it's overprocessed in the history of this podcast. Oh. Uh, yeah. So thanks, um, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to move on, but I think you know. Unless it is to a team like a situation like Washington, where it's you know, Ben. I think we're the, not the question straight away I, I think you. the question you've asked is actually um, really crucial to where they finish. Yeah. If they actually play hardball and get because what, of the they, what they really need, yeah. then they 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 have that potential to be have a home court in the first round. I say potential anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway. I mean, I'll stand by it. If they were to get some sort of haul like Dragic and OG, 
yep. Toronto, mm-hmm. then you know, if they get 70 games out of Embiid, they're going to be scary. They're going to be the one or two seed in a loaded top, you know, ceiling area, you know, top floor of the Eastern Conference. If you end up settling for someone like D'Angelo Russell, then yeah, I think six is about right because the story of the year are going to be about how Embiid's pulling his hair out about playing with a guy who, you know, yeah, yeah, no got, you know, there's 90 seconds left, and we're down three, and we've missed it. Buckets our last three downs of times down to the floor in a bucket, and no one ever touched the ball other than Russell. And yeah, sometimes that'll work, but a lot of the times it won't work. So, you know, and yep, you know, this has sort of been a little dysfunctional situation. We all trust Doc Rivers to be able to sort of get guys, at least when he just gets his hands on them, to straighten up and fly right. Um, if they could get someone like, you know, if if they can, if they were to somehow get, I think in terms of what's realistic, the sort of package they could get from the Kings, if it involved Halliburton, would be sort of perfect. Yeah. Then you'd be thinking, geez, they're going to, you know, they're going to be scary for a while. And, you know, why? Why would you follow watching the rest of the NBA when you can just watch the rest of the East, the top of the Eastern Conference for years? So, but it's all shown. That's why I've got them six, and we sort of they're they're an incomplete because there's so much uncertainty about not about Simmons leaving because he's played his last game for Philadelphia, but exactly who blinks first and what do they get? That's 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 plenty. That's Philly. About Philly. Number five is another team we've had all bouncing around that sort of middle of the playoffs, maybe home court, maybe no home court in the first round for a long time um, in the Eastern Conference. That's the Boston Celtics. Um, as Kemba is gone. He's been replaced by Dennis Schroeder, who had a pretty <laughs> uh, hot and cold season in Lake Town last season. Um they kept Marcus Smart. They have Jalen coming back from injury. They've got Jason Tatum. They've got Al Horford back. Um, they have Josh Richardson, who they've added. They have other young guys who I think they've been waiting on to take the next step for a little while as really reliable rotation guys like Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith, Robert Williams. They still have Enos Cantor. My question to Daniel this time is, what do the Boston Celtics either need to add or need to do to take the next step? Because it seems like they've been at around this level for like four or five years now. And every year the, the construction looks slightly different, but the results are pretty much the same. Well, I guess it's an interesting question because it's what do they need to do versus what actually can they do? Um they're kind of hamstrung mm. in terms of um, gaining assets via trade. Um, you know, they've got, as a kind of a tradable contract, they've got Marcus Smart. Um, you know, Jalen Brown is kind of in theory tradable, but they don't want to uh, for, you know, understandable reasons. Marcus Smart's value is probably down a bit from what it once was because, honestly, he puts his body on the line so much, he's not what he was exactly as a, an individual defender, as he has been. And, you know, that is likely going to be something that is a problem for them. Mm. Um, I mean, Dennis, Dennis Schroeder is going to be an interesting fit because if he's the player he thinks he is, then he's actually going to add something 
because he doesn't get injured a whole lot. He's a two-way player. He can initiate offense. He can really defend, uh, which is something that neither of their last two kind of star point guards have been able to do, right? Um, and it might help them bring an additional balance because at the moment they've been relying heavily on their two wing stars to initiate things. Um, and you definitely don't want uh, Marcus Smart in a position thinking he thinking he can initiate offense because he'll probably shoot a bad three, being mm-hmm. absolutely convinced it will go in. Um, yeah. So what can they do to get better? I think uh, not just in terms of what they, they would need to do, but what they can do. Because they're so hamstrung, it sort of needs to come from within, right? Um, one of the bright spots of hope has been um, if uh, Time Lord can start, you know, stay healthy, stay on the floor, and live up to his potential. You know, he's a he's a very sudden, quick ju- quick high jumper with good uh, instincts uh, on the defensive end. Um, mm. He's got a big upside and a lot of talent, but he's he's pretty raw. Um, but he has a chance to be very good. Um, Peyton Pritchard has shown some signs, but again, he's not really a star. He's, you know, like a solid rotation guy. So I think yeah. in terms of, of, of like consistency improvement, you know, like if Al Horford can be serviceable, which has not been a guarantee over the last few seasons, um, and Schroeder can be kind of more like OKC Schroeder, um, then they'll get better. I, they still, it's hard to see them um, being able to do anything to make them look like a championship contender anytime soon, though. You know, mm. sort of, I think, you know, what's this? You've got them projected at sort of right near the middle of the playoff. Five. The, the playoff seeds. Right? Yeah. It's, it's right? literally, it's literally, they've been in this spot for that long where it's that four, five playing spot. Yeah. I've, I've, I mean, I've got them, mm. uh, I've got them around there too. I've got them at, at sixth, right? Um, but yeah, it's like, what would they need? Well, I think they would need some, uh, some good veteran leadership, um, more ball movement and, uh, some good creation. And I'm not sure they've got that, you know, Al Al Horford's been around. Running it Um, back at this stage is not really working. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're very happy that with, with that, aren't you, Adam? It's just that, yeah. They just keep running oh, it back just, and they're not winning it totally soon. Just, so as a hardcore Laker fan, you're just happy with the current status quo. Watching them ungracefully just wilt away. Yes. Um, but I could probably answer the question how they how they take the next step. They go and find a DeLorean. Uh, <laughs> they travel back in time to when they weren't hamstrung. They have hey, all these picks to they have picks I'm to deal. They right, had everything. And they stuffed I'm, it. Tell you right now, Adam. I'll tell you right at right now, Adam. <laughs> Paul Pierce isn't walking in that door. <laughs> Kevin Garnett's walking, not walking through that door. Isaiah Thomas is not walking through that door. Isaiah Thomas might be. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Um, what would I do if I was Boston? I'd be putting a lot of work to seeing what the best deal I could get for Jalen Brown is. I think the fact that they've got this idea in their head that they have two corners they have to build over, and that's you know they're non-negotiable. It's I just think it just completely limits what they can do. They got to pick a lane around those two yeah. guys. Two wings who play pretty much the same position. They play in a very similar way. They're both on big backs. And all right, all right, all right. 
Because we're going to bring this up all the time. And that guy's Who, does be Boston guy... work a deal for Simmons then? Well, I don't think Simmons is what they need. So. Why not? He could play center. Because Simmons could play point center. I think, I think in, in, and this is going to sound almost blasphemous, but <laughs> I smart gives you a lot of what Simmons would probably give you with some, with, and despite his shot selection and irrational confidence, Smart has some pluses where Simmons has minuses. So yeah, I'd be looking for someone who would be, I think in this day, you can compete and take the next step without an absolute blue chipper in the center, and that's fine. Um, but I'd either be looking for someone, if you were trading Brown, so you could move Tatum to the three, which I think is his natural position, yeah, and have someone right. at the four or five who's more a prototypical or modern player. Yep. Then you'd be able to partner with someone like Robert Williams, who I think is an NBA starting quality center. Mm. By the way, I thought Tice was as well. Um, you either go down the route or you 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 look at Jalen Brown and you think who's the absolute best all star caliber point guard we can get for him. A lot of that, a lot of that looking for that point guard. So, I mean, that's not easy. But there's no, it's it's not a question of you know, oh, the Celtics are looking to add a piece, and that you know, one, you know, Brown or Tatum might be available. They just can't find the right stuff, which is a story which would get out if they were doing it. It's like these two guys are not for sale. Yeah. So why would why, why if you're in the team would you even inquire? You know why you know? So I just think that it just it just hamstrings them. And you know, for what Marcus Smart gave you, you just had to bring it back. So, yeah, agreed. They, they're, so Boston they're are going to just build. They're going they're, they're to dwindle away. It's a, it's a beautiful in the thing. Same spot in three years. Ah, they'll be but pushing to seven. They'll be into the someone else. So instead of Dennis Schroeder, it'll be someone else. It'll still be Brandon. It'll still be Tatum. It'll probably still be Marcus Smart. Yeah. So desperately holding on to the glory days. Yeah. The chance of getting home court in the first round of yep. the playoffs. Flip yep. a coin. Yeah. But in this East, you're not gonna win you're not gonna you're not coming out. Not in not in this East and not with teams below you who are improving or have the ability to make a move that catapult you kind of put past them. At least in my rankings. Mm. Anyway, we should move on from so, because if there's one Eastern team we've talked about the most over the last three years, it's Philadelphia, and then Boston's probably next. Um, in the number four spot, I've got the Miami Heat, mm-hmm. uh, who pushed all their chips into the middle of the table in the offseason for Kyle Lowry. Um, their projected starting lineup is Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robertson, PJ Tucker of the world champion, formerly of the world champion Milwaukee Bucks. And Bam Adebayo, they've got Markeith Morris, who's the other one, uh, Dwayne Depp and Tyler Hero on the bench, and Udonis Haslam is still there. <laughs> Incredible. I think he was on the 2006 championship team. So uh, that's wonderful. Larry Butler and Adebayo together at somewhere near $90 million of salary. So my question to... Is this the last chance to lose for the Miami Heat? Um, Larry's well into the last stage of his career. Butler's in his 30s. 
It's is it win, or, win now or never? Um, yeah, I think their window is closing. Uh, it's it's a really awkward time to be pushing your chips on in like this if you're Miami. Because there's just some people that are pushing their chips in and have done it a little bit better. And that would be probably someone you have in the next few uh, spots somewhere. Three teams no, yeah. Yes. So it's one of the, the top three. Um, I I, mm. I think you're um, like the Nets have sort certainly pushed pushed all in a lot harder than Miami have been able to. Uh, and and I think and I think look, it's just a it's a sucky time for them to be sort of um, they're at they're they're at the peak at the moment of where they their opportunities and and it's only going to get worse from there. They they're not quite doing what Boston's going to be doing, but it's going to start happening in the next. Uh, I think yeah. in the next couple of seasons, this is, in my opinion, yeah, this is their last real, real, real push at it before um, Jimmy Butler starts getting a bit unhappy and pieces start falling off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess the problem with them in terms of going in the other direction for this season, I can understand why they pushed all in because Butler at 36 million is not, is not an easy piece to move around if you were going to blow it up. Oh, and they're not trading Bam. Bam's... Bams is the guy who they're building. They're going to build their next runner around. So you know, yep. he Bams not going anywhere. So they have they yeah, you know, they, have, they don't really have any pieces left mm. in terms of salary. To, you know, they they're not they're not they they're not in the Ben Simmons sweepstakes, sweepstakes. at all. They 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 don't they not don't have that match up anyway. Even if they were so inclined. Nope. So to be um, honest, none of these none of the next. None of the top four teams in the East care about what's going on with Ben Simmons. I don't think. Yeah, I think they're more worried yeah. that those those four the, the the Miamis or the top four in the East are more worried about what they get for Ben Simmons rather than acquiring Ben Simmons. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I, I it's my fault. I didn't want to talk about Ben. Simmons Come on, again, we want to talk saying. about Philly again. Yeah. I did have a bunch of Miami. I, bunch I was making the point that Miami don't. Miami. Miami has another move to make. Yep. So, as far as salary-wise, the, the guys who are going to be available at around this, that salary, which I Bradley Beals at around that salary, and there's probably yeah. some other guys in the Western Conference who we haven't got to yet because we haven't talked about the Western Conference. Those those 30 to $35 million guys who are the absolute blue chippers you want to bring in, Miami don't have any more, don't have any further ability to bring in another one of those guys. This is who they have. Yeah. And it's a very, very good team that's going to be a very tough out in the playoff series. But this is last yeah. roll of the dice. That's it. I think. Championship. Daniel, had, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I had a couple of things um, about Miami. Look, I think they're good. I actually have them ranked here, but I, I thought about putting them one spot higher. A um, couple of things go into that, right? I think Lowry is, you know, he's an upgrade. Um that said, you know, the minutes he, he would be taking would previously, many of them would have been played by Dragic. Mm. And honestly, he's, given how underrated Dragic was, it's it's mostly a defensive upgrade, I, in my opinion. Um, it is a defensive upgrade, but still. <laughs> um, one thing that I found interesting when I was, when I was sort of reading up about this is that um, there's actually a chance they're going to get um, significantly more out of um, Victor Oladipo than we all expected. So apparently, 
when the surgeon went in and did the repair, he went in and realized that the previous operation um, that had been done to, you know, repair his uh, quad tendon was botched and he fixed it. Um, and so not only is the recovery expected to be faster, he was actually amazed that he was able to play on it as it had been kind of before. And so while he was originally expected to be ready to play in like January or February, he's now expected uh, by November. Oh. Right? Um, which means he'll have plenty of time to get his legs underneath him to get, you know, g uh, get um, drenched in heat culture and actually be able to do some of the conditioning stuff required to be there. Um, and apparently he's healing ahead of schedule as well. So that's one thing. Another one, I just wanted to kind of put this, like, point this thing out because a lot of people have been talking about hero tyler hero being kind of disappointing last season so i had a look and there's this idea of him being you know a big a big step down um but actually he improved overall in the regular season right um, yeah you know 15 5 and three and a half um versus 13 and a half four and two and a bit um Percentages were a little, it was a little bit less efficient, but not that much. Um, his bubble performance is actually pretty similar to what he did during the regular season last year. So this idea that he's like, you know, just fallen off a cliff. yeah. Yeah, this idea that he's fallen off a cliff is just, um, it's just a myth. It's, it, yeah. it, isn't, it isn't true. He's a, 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 a it was the focus of the whole, yeah. Week. Been starved yeah. in basketball for five months, right when we were about to get to the most important part of the season, and then it sort of went straight into the, this sort of condensed two-week regular lead-up regular season, which Phoenix owned, and then the and then the bubble. And Hero had these huge moments that you know, would normally have brought a lot of um, a focus on him, but even more so because of the circumstances leading up to the fact that you know where they were playing, yeah. where the playoffs were in July, yeah. and yeah. or so whatever they were. So, yeah, it's it's. It's the it's the eye test versus the numbers, and then we we sort of started watching him last season, and it was a lot less, I guess, story worthy what he was producing. Yeah, the numbers were. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But I, I guess the idea that he's you know he's dropped off and he's a you know he's hasn't lived up to his potential or whatever is just not really borne out by the numbers. He didn't have a great playoffs last season, but they they played they got you know they only play he only played four games. So comparing his bubble mm. play, his long bubble playoff run to his short playoff run last season, yeah, isn't, isn't that fair a comparison? So yeah, look, I think they're really strong. Um, you know who else lost in the? I'm, I'm not saying this to annoy you, Adam. You know who else <laughs> lost in the first round of the playoffs last season? The team that beat the Heat in the NBA Finals. As in, there was an obvious effect of the playing that long. You know, into September was the NBA Finals. Yes, Adam, <laughs> <laughs> and then. It catching up with you. The Heat and the Lakers were hurt last season and it affected them and they sort of went with a whimper in the in the playoffs. So, you know, I, 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 another thing about Hero is a lot of those guys who have that incredible rookie season where they get a lot of attention and then, you know, it appears that they take a step back in the second season, often take a bigger step forward in the third season. Mm. So, um, Anything, any, I mean, the yeah. new depot is really encouraging. That guy was, let's not put put it to final. He was at some stage in his career has been seriously discussed in a conversation with the letters MVP. So yep. he's not just at his best an all star caliber player. He's yes, 
He's a he guy who okay. can get to that level and then play better than that. So if they can get anything out of Oladipo this season, that's a bonus. What they're paying him and what how the roster is constructed and everything. So, um, again, you know, I think it's pretty much their last roll of the dice and the Larry move is that they have one make they made it. Um, but you know, mm. and and depending on what Philadelphia do, there's no team I'd back them without a moment's hesitation to play a series against any of the teams we've already talked about. Um, and if you're the three teams we haven't talked about, you don't want any piece of Atlanta, any piece of Miami in a seven-game playoff series. Just no. Just no. Because these guys are tough, well-coached, and they have playoff experience. They you know, they've done it before. So. Oh, and then Larry you've got PJ has, Tucker. Yeah. I totally forgot to, uh, totally forgot to point yeah. that out. Tucker's got a chip. You know, mm-hmm. Butler is one bad dude. So it's Jimmy's um, team. I like what they've I like what they've done. You know, I like what mm. they've done. It's just I probably their chips in. three teams I've got I haven't talked them ahead of them. And they made this they made in the offseason are completely understandable. And that's all you can ask for is not everything's gonna work, but if you're like if you were in the same situation, would you have made the same choices? You're like, Yeah, I would have. So they're just particularly the top two, but I have another team ahead of them. So I'll get to them now. And that is the team that lost in the Eastern Conference Championship Series last year, the Atlanta Hawks. Now, they're able to put a roster together like this in part because they've got Trey Young at like $8 million per. Um, but they've got Trey Young, Bogdan Bogdanovich, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and they've got a bench of Lou Williams, Kevin Hurt, Red Mumba, Dalinari Gallinari, Cam Reddish, um, so they've got a deep team. They've got a talented team. They've got all sorts of things that they can throw at you. So my question to you, Daniel, is they also have a lot of these, and we mentioned land destination for that guy we keep talking about um, in our last podcast, but a lot of these 15, 16, $17 million contracts. So my question to you, Daniel, is if you're GM of Atlanta, you have a team that's currently constructed, do you keep them deep like they are like they were and like the team that got through to the Eastern Conference Finals? Or do you think I can put two I put through a two or three players together to get another blue chip that pushes over the top? That is that what we need to do? Or do you just stick with what we've got? Because that the natural improvement take us where we need to go. I think combination of two things. So um no, I think they should keep their depth. The reason I think they should keep their depth is because um well, for one thing, if the Hawks taught us anything last season, it's that people who underestimate them are just stupid, including us, right? Like we, none of us, none of yeah. us like, none of us believed in Trey Young. And I, uh, I, I, they, they were my Smokey, and they have been my Smokey for the last two seasons. I like the Hawks, um, and they proved a lot of people wrong. But the other thing that um, I guess speaking specifically to that point about depth, so many teams have had these high profile losses to injury time, including the Hawks, right? Mm. You know, Trey Young's currently day-to-day, DeAndre Hunter's, uh, DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella, Kevin Herter, uh, and um, Onyeka Okongwu are all out 
at the moment, right? Um, that's what depth does for you. And when you've got these kind of quite grueling regular seasons, um, then the fact that you can, you know, spend, give people a little bit of rest and have less of a drop-off when, you know, you need to rest someone or if someone needs to um, take some time out for injury. I mean, I think that was that was a bit of a superpower of theirs. Everyone lost time to injury and, and you know, including them, but they were still great. Um, yeah. The other, the other point of it is, like, which blue chipper do you reckon they could get? Like, which blue chipper is available um, for a price they can afford that they would want? Because not every blue chipper would fit on this roster. Um, you know, we were talking, the guy we keep, the guy we keep talking about and trying to avoid saying his name all the time, right? Bradley Beal. <laughs> Isn't leaving Washington. Oh. And, you know, what would Sims do on this roster? Who would, who would they be able to get him for? And no, do they really want him? they're trying to get him? better, not worse. Well, exactly. Right? Because who came up big late for them, aside from Young? John Collins. Mm-hmm. Right? Who would they need to give up if they were going to go after someone like that? Right? So I, I think, you know, they'd need to give up Weirdly, I think on balance, they probably need to give up more than they'd get back in terms of how it work. And one thing that um, was great about them is this kind of gang mentality and the way that they all fit together and played together. Yeah. Like for the second half of the regular season, last season, they were equal best team in the league. They had the equal best record in the league. Yeah. Right. Um, or at least in the East. Um, so... I don't know that they need to change much. And they've got so much growth potential in their young roster right now too. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're reminiscent of the, the early days of the, um, the Golden State Warriors. Like yeah. They're just naturally – this list is naturally growing. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Don't sacrifice most of your depth for a crack now. Hmm. Like, let it naturally grow and contend for years on end. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't you know, I think that at full It goes strength, against the grain of the league because everybody wants to win now. But if they can keep this core together, they're the Eastern version of the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, they don't, they don't need to rush. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was the point I was going to make, Adam, is that um, I don't have a long, hard think about what, what I would do. And you don't know who's available, who pops up. You know, you don't know what, what which GM is going to call about who. But I would say this: two things. One, I'd really like a team to start, to try and keep a roster like this together for as long yeah. as possible. That depth and that that talent. For sure. Uh, I have some. You know, Trey Young's not the only uh, valued asset in terms of salary on that team. Obviously, he's on a rookie contract, so. Um, which is not going to be forever. But Lou Williams at five, and Kevin Herter at 4.2. Um, Reddish at four points. You know, they've got they've got players on there who are probably could earn more. They've got players on there who are probably because you've got to pay someone. So it'd be, I, I want to see a team try and run this in terms of uh, we're going to try and keep as many people together as possible. Yeah. On the other hand, the conventional wisdom in the NBA 
is that you can't keep them all together, so you've got to try and turn turn it into something. Now, the I guess what has happened in the past is it's more gone in the other direction. James Harden getting traded from OKC is the best example where they thought they can't keep all these guys together, so we've got to try and get what we can. There's no point in the Atlanta Hawks taking someone like John Collins and turning him into draft picks. Not that that that'd be like the worst case scenario because it's. Whoa. You saw how well it worked for OKC. If they're going to make a trade, they have to trade something in. Yeah, they have to trade something in the unknown quality. OKC were in a completely different situation when they traded Mm. Russell Westbrook. It was like they they were they were rebuilding. It took two years, and they just had to keep trading. Yeah, players out of there until they finally started being non-competitive. Yeah. Um. So, wisdom says that they will at some stage make a move. Which yeah. will be, which will probably consolidation of talent. Yeah, they might turn two players. They might turn a couple of salaries into one of talent, and a whole lot of potential performance into something mm. that's a little bit more concrete. But having said that, I really want to see them. They, they were, you know, I think they're going to keep this core together, though. Think, yeah, to see yeah. what that is. Well, that yeah, looks we like. don't really know what the core looks like. Yeah. You know, when we talk about a core in an NBA sense, we're normally talking about three guys. Yeah. Um, you can't necessarily pick the three guys. I mean, it's young Hunter and Collins, but Collins is the one who gets talked about the most. Yeah. Um, in terms of trailer because he's because he's a restricted free isn't re-upped and all that sort of stuff. But um they also have Bonovich and Gallinari and Capella and Lou Williams. It's you know it's hard to define who their three most important players are. Yeah. Um but I'd like to see them try and keep it as it is for as long as possible. As, as I was saying, Agreed. the next surprise packet of the regular season, the Hawks were the surprise packet of the playoffs. Yeah. So for them to, you know, go that deep and, you know, they took the moment. You know, I, I think, you know, before the playoffs, I suggested that Philly were going to waltz in conference finals. And obviously that didn't happen. And it didn't happen because of the Atlanta Hawks. So on to number two. You're almost there. About, oh, yeah, we're. I mean, we're almost there. Um, number two is your NBA champion, Milwaukee Bucks. That is so um, disrespectful. How can you not have them as the favourites? Uh, they're running it back. back to back. Their starting lineup is Drew Holiday, Dante G. Dijenzo, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Brooke Lopez. Their bench. They've got. Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, added George Hill, of course, has been there before. That is Ojale Rodney Hood, Grayson Allen. Missing PJ Tucker. My question to... <laughs> no, lost PJ Tucker. Yes, they did. So they just won the title. There's not a lot. They haven't changed much. You know, they're able to keep it together pretty much as was and put the belt on and say, take it from us because they are the incumbents. So there's not a lot to discuss about the Bucks, in my opinion. My question to you, Adam, is can Giannis get better? Um, I keep this really short. Uh, just had possibly. A... Possibly, but I don't think he's <laughs> going to get any worse. Yeah, like, I, I don't think there's yes going to be Bucks, a drop-off. Uh, yes, he can get better. He's, he's, he's proven it year after year. Last year. But every time he sets that, he gets to that ceiling. He just finds another gear. I mean, it'll stop at some point, but he's not getting. He's not going to get worse. 
Well, I think, and there are different ways to get better, right? Mm. He finds a different way every year. Yeah. Yeah, Well, that's the thing. So, like, you know, if, for example... His free throw shooting gets better. It doesn't need to get better. It just needs to stay as good as it is in the regular season in the playoffs. Mm, okay. He shoots, yep. he shoots 70% in the regular season. And if he could keep that up in the playoffs, it's not a weakness anymore. Correct. Yep, okay. um, agreed. agreed. So I think the way he gets better is by being more consistent and not taking those stupid pride threes. Um, <laughs> you know, those those hideous, like, they bank, they bank in if they go in at all. How many NBA rings have you got there? <laughs> I will shoot my pride trees. I am the NBA. It's not something you'd expect Giannis to say. It's no. like the prototypical. No, no. Like, I, I think he's he hard just, not to like it. He just uh, yeah, he, he just butt kick he, it in the NBA. He just Finally. needs to remember he's he's as good a finisher as Shaq, and that he should keep doing it. Like keep slamming it in. He's not worried about looking embarrassed. Just bring it in. Mm. Remember that 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 remember that that floater is unstoppable, and the only thing that people were able to do to stop you in the past was either dare to shoot from further out or wall off the paint. But you know what? You're super accurate with that with that floater from mid range now. So keep it. Yeah. Keep that. Keep that. Don't be worried about the free throw line, which he never really was. But actually hit them. Keep hitting them. Yeah. And. So the easiest, most obvious path, which may not be the one he takes to get better than he is already, is to be more consistent across a wider range of circumstances. Mm. Be a robot. Be a robot with the free throws and just keep them the same in the playoffs as they are in the regular season. I mean, you don't have to shoot quite as well as you did in the last game of the finals for it to just not be a problem, right? Yep. Um. And, um, yeah, so don't stop, uh, stop chucking up those pride bricks. Pride bricks. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've got a couple of things about how the, the team overall might, um, might get better, but the Giannis, yeah, I think that's the main Giannis point. Just remember you're the best finisher in the league and it's not close. Mm. Stop, stop taking shots. You're not good at. I'm, there's no need for it. Yeah. On. Oh, Walkie, I'm not actually fussed where they finish yeah. in the in the standings. The the road to the finals goes through uh, Milwaukee, so um, like yeah, it's inconceivable to see them finishing in a situation where they didn't where they wouldn't have home court in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, not that I'd be terribly worried. If something would you know, unless something had happened to cause that. Like Giannis had some sort of long term injury that kept him out. Yep. Um, are you in agreement that Giannis is a power forward? Yes. Daniel? Uh, I'm not sure whether I think he's a power forward or a center. I, I actually, I, I'm, I lean towards center, but, you know, like, I know he plays, he plays, okay, officially well, plays one power forward. I'll give you the, 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 the fork in the road. So he's just had these He's listed at the three. There we go. Right. <laughs> no, he's just had these three years, which have been incredible statistically, and he's won two MVPs and an NBA title and an NBA Finals MVP. Yep. Um, so let's, for the sake of this argument, assume he's a power forward, which is what I was going to do. If he has another three years that are exactly identical, how close or does it get him in front of, in terms of all-time historic rankings, of, in front of Tim Duncan? 
Because Tim Duncan never had a three-year period statistically like the three years Giannis has just had. Um, and his age. Tim is the greatest power forward of all time. But I think I think at the end of the day, and maybe, like I've just said, he's not going to get any worse. Um, yeah, mm. I I think there's a very very real case for depending how much success he has uh, in the championship side of things. But yeah, definitely, definitely a case for him being the greatest power forward of all time. Daniel, if he's a centre, then another three-year period like this, does it get him past guys like Shaq and Akeem? Oh, Dan, Dan's, Dan's deep in Three years now. have been historical. Yep. The last three years have been, look at the numbers. If you had if you gone to, you know, late 20s, Daniel, and said an, an NBA player with these numbers over a three-year period, you would have been like, I want to go to sleep and wake up tomorrow and it'd be then so I can watch it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, also, like, <laughs> in my 20s, I was watching Naughty's Basketball where people scored 40 points in a game. Like, <laughs> no, that's the other thing. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think there's... So I, I, I think... There's, I think he'd, he'll, it would take a bit more for him to catch Timmy, if we call him a power forward. The centre um, center, uh, arena is, is even more crowded. I think there are more people with a claim there. Um, but certainly, you know, like he is making a strong case as an all-time great already. Yeah. Um, and he's got another decade to prove himself. Like, exactly. Like where exactly... Yeah, like where exactly put it. If he's, if he's able to kind of keep up this, you know... Um, this robotic level of consistency from season to season of being durable and putting up crazy numbers and, you know, ends up winning a few more championships, then absolutely, absolutely he does deserves consideration with those guys. I think one of the things that's going to come up is actually that. If we're thinking about where he stands as an all-time great in a position... I think there's going to be broad disagreement about which position that should be. And I think that might actually, in a sense, confuse the issue enough that it hurts him <laughs> legacy-wise, strangely enough. Mm. Because I think, you know, in a lot of ways, I, like, I think he's more like a modern-day centre, right? Yeah. Some people think that. It's perfectly defensible to think of him as a power forward, but again, it, it, it dramatically changes who you're comparing him to when it comes to those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, you know, Timmy's, like Tim Duncan's legacy is of that robotic reliability. He came into the league as an MVP candidate and, um, you know, he won them. He led two decades of brilliance by his team. Um, and that consistency, you know, Giannis is capable of it, I think, but hasn't done it yet. Um, and the, um, you know, that that's a, that's an important part of Tim Duncan's legacy. It's how long he, yeah. he was able to do it for. He was playing on one leg by the end, but he was still putting up good numbers, you know? So yeah. sure. Another important part of Duncan's legacy is association with the franchise which he played in his entire career for, and I can absolutely see that sort of relationship over a long period being developed with Giannis and Milwaukee. And, you know, it was wonderful for the league. It was wonderful for Milwaukee that he signed the Supermax and he's going to be there for the, you know. Foreseeable future. Yeah, certainly the medium term and, you know, 
now that he's done that, we don't. None of us realistically he's oh, anywhere I'll, else during his career. So I'll tell you something that's going to help his legacy if he can do it. And he might, you know, if particularly if he can do it this season. They've lost PJ Tucker, and PJ Tucker is a specialist, frankly. He's mostly good on high usage scoring forwards, you know, like his former teammate, uh, college teammate, Kevin Durant. Probably, I think most people are expecting there's going to be an Eastern Conference matchup. Between those two teams, who else are you going to try to put on KD? They've avoided doing it in the past. They've shied away from ever uh, matching uh, Giannis up on KD. But they're going to have to do it. And if he can thrive in that, that's going to answer both questions. It's going to answer the question about can Giannis get better? Because that would be a reflection of it. And what is his legacy going to be? Because if he's able to Mm. significantly affect KD's offensive game, make it harder for him, even if his, you know, his point, like his countable stats um, are still gaudy. Mm then that could be enough. Yeah. That could be enough to make a huge difference to his uh, his legacy. Certainly so. certainly adds to the case. Mm. Well, we, we are past the two-hour mark, gentlemen, so we're going to go <laughs> to the last team in the Eastern Conference. Team I have number one, and that is the Brooklyn Nets. And there'll be a weird question at the end of this. So which is going to be very, very typical, very relevant, but also probably something none of us thought I was going to specifically ask probably two years ago, but maybe it's not all that in the ordinary. So the, the projected starting line for the Brooklyn Nets is Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and Blake Griffin. Here's, the, here's their list of backups for every position. Paddy Mills, Bruce Brown, James Johnson, Paul Millsap, LaMarcus Aldridge. So they are they have an ex- Exceptional starting lineup and a tried, tested veteran bench, with the possible exception of Bruce Brown, who was sort of their, their happy discovery last season, um, mm. playing big minutes and, and and being reliable. So they're not like I, I guess the Sixers of a few years ago when they had the four guys in and it was just like and then who else? The you know the, someone someone's walking past. Going to a pickup game. Hey, you want to come on the bench today? They've got they've got depth as well. Mm. My question is this: Now, Daniel, you've been uh, happy to talk about this guy over the course of the journey and his quirks and his idiosyncrasies. Quirks. <laughs> he poster boy, for want of a better term, for the freedom to choose not to vaccinate American sports um, is currently Kyrie Irving. Um. Which you could describe, you could describe that fact many things, but I'm not sure surprising is one of them. Yeah. Um, what happens to the Brooklyn Nets if Kyrie Irving never gets vaccinated? So I think it's going to have a number of effects, and in some ways it's going to be super important, and in other ways it's going to be surprisingly unimportant. I mean, ultimately, here's the thing it's going to cost him, he's going to get fined. Um, Assuming he he sticks to his guns on that, um, he's going to get fined. He'll miss at least half of the he'll miss at least all of the home uh, games because uh, New York has a, a vaccine mandate. So if you want to work out indoors, including 
play professional sports, you're not allowed in the building unless you are unless you're vaccinated. So he would miss every game in Brooklyn uh, and every game against the the Knicks um, and every game in the Bay Area, uh, which has a similar mandate. Um, that's a lot of games. For every game he misses, he's going to get fined $381,181.22 for each game. Uh, and if he only misses all the home games, that'll be half his salary of just, just under $16 million US dollars that he'd lose in fines. Yeah. In terms and of... We already know he's missing three other games because he's not playing in... He's not playing at MSG and he's not playing at Oracle. So... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, is he still is he still skipping every game in Boston for reasons? Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, one thing that I found kind of interesting about this was the way Brooklyn Nets are constructed. Yes, they're insanely deep, but there's still a lot of focus on their big three, right? How does their big three actually work together? Well, um, I was listening to some like a podcast with um, Jackie McMullen, who spent some time shooting a you know a semi-secret um thing with the um with the nets so she spent time with um the whole team but particularly she noticed something about the big three who do you guys reckon is the leader of the nets big three the charismatic alpha central leader of the big three who do you reckon it is i'm not i'm not it's not KD. i would think i would have thought of it. it has to be durant but i yeah, know i have a feeling i know you're going to say it's James Harden. Yeah. And it's not close. Wow. So, yeah, apparently That's a concern. he's... Well, I mean, what she was saying, because like I say, she spent some time with them. What she was saying was he's quite reflective and um, embarrassed about how he, start, how he was when he started the season in Houston. He's kind of taken that on board. Oh, wow. He's... Um, yeah, and he's, you know, willing to adapt his game in a way that people... Who watched, who watched yeah. Houston Houston James Harden, weren't sure he was willing or able to do. Um, and KD... I mean, there's is... not really any legitimate criticism of, of um, what Harden did once he got to Brooklyn, though. No. He no, no, adapted no. to a new role, then got hurt, and then gutted it out in the playoffs through yeah. obvious pain, discomfort, and limitations. Yeah, and so, um, you know, KD is the ultimate Swiss Army knife like the gold-plated or platinum-plated, diamond-encrusted Swiss Army knife of NBA players, right? He can do anything you need him to do. Yep. Um, and at an extremely high level. And honestly, if you've got those two guys, Why Kyrie's, you need... ki- yeah. Kyrie's kind of a luxury. When you've got mm. those two guys and all that depth, I mean, they've just signed Patty Mills. And of course, he's not as talented as um, as Kyrie is, but we don't need him to be. You don't need him to be when you've got James Harden running the point um, and KD mm. doing whatever else is required and that good a team, you know? Like, even yeah. some of the acquisition, the, the sort of de facto acquisitions they made, like Aldridge unretiring and coming back, you know? Dodgy um, as. Anyway. Getting, you know, and getting getting Harden healthy. Um, getting KD having had a bit of rest <laughs> since that amazing performance in the playoffs, right? Like they're an awesome team. The thing that I would be worried about, honestly, is less about, you know, Kyrie's on-court, direct on-court contribution being missed because they've just got so much to work with and more about the effect that might have on chemistry. But honestly, 
every person they spoke to on the nets about this issue, aside from Joe Chai, <laughs> the, the owner, everyone else they spoke to, the, they spoke to Nash, they spoke to Harden, they spoke to Durant, they seem to be fully ready for the possibility. They just won't have Kyrie, and they're not that bothered by the by the idea. Um, oh wow! And it's the luxury of that wealth of talent they've got. You know, um, of the big three, you know, who's the uh, and 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 in terms of, of the big three, and in terms of that of accomplishment overall, who's the least of them? Who's the only one who hasn't been a a realistic MVP candidate? James Harden. Oh wait. <laughs> MVP candidate who hasn't been yeah. no, nah, but who hasn't got the um the championships to show for? Yeah, so who's hungry? Who's hungriest? I mean, that's why he wanted to go there. So, I, it's one of those things. I think it's on one sense, it's a it's a really high profile, very talented, mm. very skilled player who's been called by uh, multiple people um, who should know what they're talking about. One of, if not the most skilled player in NBA history. Don't know if I agree with that, but sure, people have said it of him. And it's a surprisingly small deal that he's going to miss, that he may very well miss more than half a season. Um, you know? Um, and so it's, yeah, it's kind of amazing, right? I, I sort of thought, you know, oh, this is going to be a disastrous, a disastrous development for them because they're going to be, you know, their three-headed monster is like a, a two-and-a-half-headed monster, if that, if everyone stays healthy. And a bunch but, of old bets, yeah. But they're so good. And there's a real sense that this won't have the um, the hit on chemistry that it could have, just because of how tight and focused, tight and focused they are. Mm. Here's, here's why the Brooklyn Nets are going to win the NBA championship this season. Well, they're not, but sure, whatever. <laughs> This is the most important season in Kevin Durant's career. Is it? Yeah. Because this, 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 is, this, is, this is it in terms of legacy. If, 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 I, if, if he wasn't interested uh, in legacy, if he wasn't interested in that, he'd be still in, he'd still be in Golden State, just running it back and winning multiple titles. There, it, there, was, there was other boxes he needed to tick. He went to Golden State to win titles, but then he was like, I've just schooled LeBron for two straight years and handed him his lunch pail, and it's still not my team. There's nothing else I can do here, right? There's nothing mm-hmm. I can do to change it. And, you know, it's because of who Steph is. Um, you can't get mad at someone for that. It's not Steph's doing deliberately. He's like, oh, this is my... It's just who Steph is. It is Steph's team. Steph's the most beloved NBA player at that level, I think I've ever seen in my life, in, in my time watching the NBA. No one's more loved right across the spectrum than, than Steph and Kevin could compete with that. So mm. he won his two championships and hurt himself and went on his way. Yeah. They were a literal inch away from knocking out the Bucks last year in the conference semis. Yep. So if you don't think Kevin Durant's been thinking about that, all off season, it's one of the great. That, that is, it's you know if, if it if it's a if it's a three, it's one of the ten greatest shots in NBA history. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's an it's an inch, it's an inch, and the guy was just spent at that stage. Was, yeah, I did absolutely everything I could do physically, and I came up. Sh- 
if you don't think that's been he's been thinking about that every moment of every day since that happened, then mm. I don't know what to say. But there's this is the you know Kevin Durant will at some stage it, it might have been already happened at the training camp wherever they're having training camps like everyone in the same room in the same building and everyone in the same room the same building. He looked every one of those guys in the eye and said, "We are winning the championship this season." I get, I personally guarantee it. And leadership comes in different ways and forms. And you know, I think, you know, I'm 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 hardened to hear that you know Harden is sort of the is is a leader in the ways that he is, and you know he he might be the one who gives him the pep talk before. But but Andrew's never struck me as a sort of well, obviously has a reputation of not being a really happy guy, but he's you know has a reputation for being you know um, a bullient or mm. convivial or all that sort of thing. But I just think he would his teammates in the eye, just like I we got this, I got this. We we win the title this year. We just hop on. On my back. Don't worry about it. He, we, I got this, and points to the bid that he's got this, and you know whoever else is with us is with us. Yeah, it's happening this season. We're that close last season. I'm not letting it happen again. And they, you know, they've got the tools. So they do. That's they why do. I've got the number one. I tend to agree with Daniel in so much as, you know, I don't want to downplay it. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make fun of it. But the way Kyrie Irving is, Brooklyn knew that when they acquired him, and it's baked into everything that they do, and it's the cost of doing business. Yeah. And you thought Oladipo is a, is a luxury in Miami. That's nothing on Kyrie Irving, a guy who, as as does, you know, guys in the NBA who watched a lot of basketball and deserve to have their opinions respected, say that guy's like got the best handle. He's the best finisher at the rim. He's mm. the most talented on both sides of his body, you know, that they've seen amongst any guys. And we've seen some guys with some insane handles and some incredible ability to finish the rim. And he's, he's, he's the luxury. And the situation in terms of mandates and all that sort of thing is, it's, it's, it's indefinite rather than permanent. So why wouldn't you, if you look and roll the dice on, things might change, you know, you know, the pandemic might get past us and things forever. And, you know, if we get Kyrie back to, like, being able to play wherever two weeks before the end of the regular season, then, you know, watch out. You've got to, like, Kyrie Irving... He's a wild card, that's ...who has sure. had injury troubles coming off, like, an NCAA schedule. He's played 25 yeah. games in the season. He's played a game a week. Yeah. You know, just let... Marshall, he comes in and he's fresh while everyone else is like, "Oh, I played seventy-five games, and I'm, you know, I need, I, you know, I need the few days off before the playoffs to recharge my batteries." And Kyrie's coming in fresh and bouncing around. And that's, you know, whenever it happens, it happens. So, but there's a chance it's going to happen at some stage in the season where the rules are changing. Kyrie will be everywhere. So, fully, well, I mean, I don't think Kyrie's about to. Get, I don't think he's about to get vaccinated. I don't think that's about to change, but. Well, even if the rules, even if the rules don't change, can you imagine him being the luxury that you only have for road games in the playoffs? <laughs> that gives him mm-hmm. a bit of an advantage on the road, hey. I just read there's there's actually there's a loophole. So even New York and San Francisco that have the vaccine mandates for players, if you throw a negative test, you can play as a visiting player. Yeah. So even if they're playing yeah, so visiting he can literally play road games, games, 
yeah, if they're playing road games in New York or San mm-hmm. Fran, um, he can play there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. The one negative that is Kyrie's going to cop some flack. If he's only playing on the road, he's not going to get uh, any well, positive. He, he knows what he's in for. Any stage. He's, he's used to copping flack. Season. I don't think it bothers yeah. him that much. Yeah. Does he still think the world's flat? Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> well, it becomes round once you get vaccinated. Ah, see, that's the problem. <laughs> I'll go to you first, Daniel. Now we've gone through every team. Uh, I said I wasn't going to joke. I couldn't help myself. It wasn't as good as the award-winning boy band analogy, which I'm going to send. I'm going to send clip to the Analogy Academy. That's the, <laughs> it's, it's, it'll um, get a nomination for sure. Daniel, give us a recap of your uh, NBA Eastern Conference preview. Your uh, one to fifteen. One to fifteen or fifteen to one. Finish. We'll go 15 to 1. We'll count it down. Okay, 15 to 1. On courtside countdown! (laughs) So I have Orlando, Detroit, Washington, Cleveland, Toronto, Charlotte, Indiana, Chicago, New York, Boston, Philly, Miami, Atlanta, Milwaukee, Brooklyn. That's very similar. It was the same. The, the pl- basically the, 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 the plane yeah. the plane is where the biggest differences are the plane range yep this is yep. what normally happens with me and Adam we have these groups of th- three teams four teams that are all the same but yeah. Yeah, I just rotated around Adam I have you also had Orlando at 15 I do Orlando at 15 followed by Toronto at 14 Detroit at 13 Cleveland at 12, Washington 11, Charlotte at 10, Indiana at 9, New York at 8, Philly at 6. Sorry, Philly at 7. You got 7. Boston, okay. Philly at 7, Boston at 6. Yep. Miami yep. at 5, Chicago yep. at 4 Ooh. with Atlanta Ooh. Atlanta the Bucks and the Nets. I am also showing a bit of this Yes. <laughs> we all had the top three in exactly the same, but this one was quite different with Chicago. I believe they are in six eight, nine for us and not you, the backstreet for You think Zach Levine's gonna be <laughs> Justin Timberlake, which means uh, which means we get to see him play the head of Napster like seven or eight years after they split up. Yeah. Um, what what did you have? Lose of, you know, what, what did you have Charlotte? Was Charlotte ten? Yes. All right. So same as you, I had them. I was the one who was bullish on the Charlotte Hornets. Well, that's an Eastern Conference preview, and we thank you listening in your car, home, or wherever for sticking through it. We're going to do it again really soon with conference and look out because we're all fans of Western Conference teams, whether it be the LA Lakers or the Minnesota Timberwolves or your reign Western Conference champion, Phoenix Suns. Um, we'll get back together for them. But until then, thank you, Adam. Thank you, Daniel. It's been an absolute pleasure. Pleasure as always. Pleasure. And we'll catch you then on the podcast. It should go without saying.